Hello! It is Sunday evening. The sun is splitting the rocks. You may be disoriented, you may be warm, you may be sweaty, you may be desperately in need of some relief. Well, your old friends are back in your ears after a few weeks off to take some of that pain away. It's the Chair Shop Podcast back after a a, a sizable uh, uh, break, intermission, whatever, a holiday season, we might even call it. Um... I'm one of your hosts, Barry, joined as always by my ever-dependable co-host, first of all, Mr. Joe Towner. Hello! And also Mr. Paul Griffin. The solo podcast superstar, that's what they call it. Yes, yeah, I'm surprised he had us back after his uh, after his solo adventure. Oh, well, it was not the best podcast we've ever done, I'll just say that much. Well, it's hard. I, I did one... Uh, when Daniel Bryan retired, because for whatever reason we, I remember, go. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I listened back to it, and I was like, why, why am I eulogizing him like he just dropped dead in the middle of the ring? Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said to you guys before we start recording, like all I remember about it was I talked about the It Follows director for like twenty minutes. Yeah, I don't remember what the other forty. Oh, I told stories about how I got hit by cars. That was like the <laughs> other forty minutes. <laughs> so it was interesting. Uh. You know, div- diving into my psychosis, but at least I got a show. Uh, yeah, it's 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 good to be back. I have actually been looking forward to this today. Yeah, me too. Uh, plenty to chit chat about. Um, I suppose we we can get into the reasons why we've had a few weeks off. I mean, obviously, there's a there's a sizable reason we missed about a week there two weeks ago. Uh, I suppose we'll that get its own segment shortly after the life cup, I would imagine. Um, but uh, a week ago. Was it a week ago? Two weeks ago? I can't remember. Uh, one of the weeks we had off, I was up in Dublin for the first time in a while to actually stay up there. And it was funny because I, I basically me and Brona went up for a little getaway. It was what was going to be Longitude weekend. Obviously, Longitude got cancelled. We said we'd keep our reservations and just go up and just do, do the Dublin tourist thing, which I've actually never done. I stayed super central, did all the, the kind of very conventional Dublin-y kind of things. And I was actually surprised. I haven't done most of this stuff and I actually had a great time. So yeah. we stayed right in the heart of the city. We uh, toured around. We went to the zoo, of course, as you have to do. Um, I thought that would be quiet because we went on a Monday, not realizing it was July and kids were all <laughs> off school. And, and and so it was absolutely manic. So that was fun. Uh, but yeah, we, we went to, we perused around Temple Bar, including getting a drink in the Temple Bar, yeah. um, which we had never done. And the funny thing is, it was quite lovely. But we kind of left thinking that's probably the last time we'll ever do that because yeah. it was it was easy to just walk in and go, oh, you got a table? And they went, yes, because, of course, there's no international tourists mm-hmm. at yeah, the moment. Yeah. Um, and we also kind of figured to ourselves, no one who's not from Dublin go to, who chooses to go to Dublin within the context of Ireland. People don't Irish people don't holiday to Dublin. So it was actually for the middle of a Saturday afternoon, which is when we, we went to Temple Bar, it was shockingly quiet because, of yeah. course, we're still in this weird limbo phase where there's no travel and... Pubs are open, but it's kind of limited capacity. But there, that was lovely. Potted around the shops, went to all the vintage shops, um, uh, went to various different food establishments, which were all very, very nice. Had lots of lots of delicious food, lots of delicious food. Um, that's one great thing about Dublin is there is no short shortage of food places and no and a, a great variety of food places. Um, insanely broke coming home. I mean, absolutely insanely <laughs> broke coming no home. No more Xboxes for Barry. No, 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 no. Thank God. Thank God I, I don't really want one of those Steam decks because I wouldn't have been getting one anyway. Um, 
uh, but yeah, because it was like this was supposed to just be we were going to go up to a festival, obviously. So we had our hotel paid, and then it was basically going to be you know let's just do fast food and get cans for the festival. Uh, obviously, that dissipated, so we had to go to we say okay, well let's go somewhere nice, let's go shopping, oh let's go to this pub, let's go to blah, 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 blah. and it was tremendous, but the budget. <laughs> blew up as a result because Dublin's so goddamn expensive. It is an yeah. absolutely absurd caricature of a town in that regard. As much as I softened on Dublin after a really lovely weekend there, I was like, oh my, how do people live in this town? It's absolutely insane. But it was fantastic. It was lovely. We got some lovely massages as well. Um, this lad's always getting massages. <laughs> I, I tell you what, and, and, and since, since we've been back, I've been like, I could go for another massage now. It'd be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but since you're out of money, it was just a local homeless fella. Who... <laughs> yeah, I'm broke. So I was just kind of <laughs> walking down with a can of Bulmers. If anyone who'd, who'd give the feet now, Rob. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the peak of the life. It was absolutely, it was lovely. It really was great. Uh, weather mostly held up. We did get rained on on Sunday. Obviously, we are now in the middle of an absolutely brutal heat wave. Um, uh, but yeah, that was. I think that was kind of the peak of the... Um, of the interim kind of uh, uh, life guff for myself. Uh, and then today, I suppose, I, I got uh, jab u- number uno row yeah. in, the, uh, in the old arm, went to the old race course in town, uh, which was great. Uh, the turnaround was really quick in terms of opening up registration to getting the text to going and getting it done. So really happy with it. Uh, the, the, it's super fresh, the setup they have. Get in, get your jab, get out. Um, yeah, so... You know, slowly but surely, that's, an, that's another milestone we're grateful for. Brona's getting hers tomorrow, which is great. Um, so, yeah. So that's been that's been two weeks worth of life off there in, in one condensed little five-minute round. Uh, what about you, lads? What have you been, What adventures have you been on in the last two weeks? Well, I also got the vaccine uh, part one yesterday into the left, the left arm. Lovely. CSP uh, weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm thighs up from the thighs up. That's my, that's my new catchphrase. Um, we should use that. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm I got the Pfizer one. Um, I got a e- oh not yesterday. When did I get it? Friday, Friday morning. Friday. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, obviously going in for the injection, I was a little bit a nervous boy. Not that I don't I don't like injections. I mean, who 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 loves an injection like heroin? Addicts, who likes them? Yeah. yeah. Um. But uh, a little bit nervous, just about... I haven't gotten an injection in a very long time. I have had, like, blood taken, which isn't really the same thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, surprised by how light the injection was. Probably the lightest I've ever got. Same. Barely felt yeah. it. Um, side effects-wise, not too bad. Uh, I would say maybe two to three hours later, the arm starts to feel a bit like a dead arm. Mm. That same sensation. Um but nothing for like two hours. Felt completely normal. Uh, real fucking drowsy as well. The whole Friday. I was sleepy boy. And I was working. I was back to work after I got the job. So I was trying to <laughs> trying to do all my tasks and trying to keep my eyes open like I had been up watching uh, AEW pay-per-view the night before or something. <laughs> um, but that was fine. The, yesterday and today, no side effects at all. So I'm counting down the days till I can go back and get... Uh, part two and then i'll be free as a bird uh apart from that obviously it was very hot yesterday uh so we had the barbecue out of course but not only did we have the barbecue out right um natty uh as i've mentioned many times on the on the podcast 
ha- owns her own business where she um, is like a dog minder, right? And she got gifted by one of her clients a little like dog paddling pool. Oh, um, And so guess which dog was sitting in the paddling pool yesterday on the hottest day? You're That's right, it's the big dog, Paul Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> the old Irish Rover, Paul Griffin. <laughs> so it was like, unspeakably hot unbearably hot so i said i'm getting that dog paddle and pull out and i'm sitting in it so if we've, we got the hose out filled it up with cold water and i was oh it was lovely did, did you have to sit there licking your bollocks though that's what i'm asking <laughs> <laughs> was that necessary it was absolutely lovely and it's a big one for like a dog paddling pool big quite a big one big enough for me to sit in like um and that was lovely yeah, yesterday, even though the weather was ugh, so bad, it, like so good, it was bad. Um, we had a really fun day with like the paddling pool out, and the, we we did have a dog with us uh, over the weekend, a big um, golden retriever. And so she was jumping in the pool, splashing water on me. Oh no, Aww. the dog! Ah! Just having crack, you know, running around. It was great. Um, and I think that's pretty much all that I've been up to. Uh, they're the biggest parts of my week. Anyway. And I did the podcast last week, so you're not too long. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, it's been a, a very, very busy old week uh, over here. Right? So it's my birthday week. Yeah. Uh, it was my birth- birthday on Monday. Um, so we took the whole week off. Um, so lots going on. So birthday uh, was the day after the football, which we'll get to. So that was a fun day. My 37th birthday, uh, oh. the day after that final. Um so that was all right. We went to um, we went into London, just had a bit of lunch, had a little walk around the Regent's Park, and then went to see Black uh, Widow at the at the big we went to the big cinema in Leicester Square, which is like where they do all the premieres. It's like probably the biggest cinema in the country, apart from like IMAX. But yeah, first time going there, so that was really nice. I had a, a peach Fanta from the uh, Coke, what they call it, freestyle machine. I was like, ooh, Peach Fanta. That's very good. So that was nice. So we did that. Then Tuesday did not a lot. Did yeah, didn't do a lot. And then Wednesday we went down to Brighton, which is on the, the south coast of the mm. UK, um, which is a very popular kind of holiday destination. Um, nice kind of it's a pebble beach there, but um very nice beach, nice seafront, got a big pier, all the arcades, amusements, all that sort of guff. Um, so we went down there just for the day, and it's only about an hour from us, so it's just a nice, nice little break. So we went down there, spent about uh, an hour on the two P machines, trying, <laughs> to, trying to win a key ring. Oh, you're, uh, just, big, you're just a big fan of, of acclaimed ITV television show Tipping Point. Tipping Point, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's funny because we do watch Tipping Point occasionally, and I've frequently referred to the contestants as a bunch of wallies because they. <laughs> I mean, if anyone who's watched Tipping Point knows, the questions are incredibly easy. It's literally yeah. like, what colour is grass? <laughs> I think I'm going to go with the green. Oh, yeah, it's green. Because they um, know the drama The drama is in the drop. Let's drama's not, in the drop. It's not, let's not risk them getting anything wrong. It's um, not intellectual. Yeah. No, no, it's all about the, the drop. So, yeah, we went on one of those machines. Uh, did end up winning the watermelon key ring. Oh. Um, <laughs> really nice. Probably spent about not too much, three quid probably on the worth of two peas to get okay. this uh, get this thing. But yeah, but it was it was basically like forty five minutes of us standing there just putting coins in the slots. <laughs> Didn't say a word to each other. It was just coin, coin, coin. 
Um, so that was fun. Yeah, a bit, a bit fun by the seaside. Uh, and then what else did we do? God, it's been such a busy week. Thursday, we went to the Postal Museum in London, which is a museum that tells the history of um, Being post online. office. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the post office and the kind of mail system um, in the UK. But what's the most exciting part of it is that um, there are actually all these very small tunnels under London where they used to transport the post from one kind of sorting office to another. And they had these little autom- automated electric trains that they used to just throw all the post bags in and they'd get sent across London onto a train or whatever. Um, and so all that, that all of that closed down in like 2003 because it became sort of uneconomical and they just did it in vans instead. Um, but they actually still run one of the lines. Um, so if you go to the museum, you actually get to go on one of these tiny little uh, postal trains that goes under, <laughs> under London. And it's the train is literally... <clears throat> literally big enough to fit probably two people side to side, but no, no more than that. And it's, it's pretty tight, but you go whiz through all these little tunnels under London and they kind of tell you the story of, you know, what, how the, the mail system used to work. Yeah. So it's really, it, it sounds like the most boring museum in the world. Cause it's about post, <laughs> the post office, but actually it's really, it's really, really interesting. So we enjoyed that. Um, yesterday, uh, by sheer coincidence, we had in, months ago to go out with a couple of with an old friend of mine from work who booked us to go axe throwing um Whoa. i don't know if you guys have ever done the old axe throwing. no i really want to though it's um yeah i i'd not done it before and i thought oh yeah but throwing a cup throwing an axe around looks fun just have a few beers whatever <laughs> it's actually incredibly hard and yeah like serious like it's not like doing sort of darts or ping pong or those other kind of activities where you just sort of have a go like the technique of throwing the axe is really really hard we, we had an instructor with us like the whole time and uh, kind of showing us how to do it and it's really fucking hard to get that axe into the target uh, it's not actually you don't have to be that strong it's not like um you know, a power thing it's more just the, the timing and the technique of kind of when to let go and and, and hit hit the target um yeah but that, that was quite fun I'd probably do it once. I don't know if I'd do it multiple times, but it was a novelty. It was it was quite good. Uh yeah, and then today we've been out for a little picnic in the park with some some friends. It was, as we kind of mentioned, really it's 30 degrees, you know, here in in UK and Ireland. It was really hot today. Luckily we took our big like garden parasol with us to the park. I lugged it about half hour walk to the park because I knew if we sat there in the sun, it would just be unbearable. So Michelle and I were just like hiding under this umbrella. Um, but yeah, really, really fun day. So it capped off a, a lovely week to finally get a bit of nice weather and to be out and about. So uh, yeah, great, great birthday week. Lovely. Yeah, it's all been very positive. Good. It's nice. So let's talk about the Euros then. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate, the ultimate birthday gift for Joe. You know. yeah, yeah, yeah. He got yep. he got to smash up some public uh, uh, spaces. <laughs> Get some, well, you know he, the, the axe throwing didn't satiate him. He got to go out and, and demolish some park benches. Yeah, <laughs> that was unfortunate. That was unfortunate timing, really. Yeah, before your birthday. But to be honest, I think the I'd say of the final of England losing, the two disappointing things were firstly it going to penalties. Yeah, because when it goes to penalties, you know there's going to be villains and I think yeah. that's just so sad because those 
all of the players in the squad, they're all just so nice. Like I've been watching all the videos on YouTube, all the interviews and everything, and they're all just all really good lads. <laughs> like there's no idiots in the squad. Um, all very kind of politically aware and, and you know care about their sort of presentation and, and and representing people. So for it to end up the way it did was very sad. Uh, and I think the other thing that the sad part for me was obviously like everyone you know I watch England lose every two years for as long as I can remember. And in fact, most people's teams lose every two years. Like yeah. Most teams don't win the World Cup or the Euros, obviously. Like you always end in disappointment. It's just that weird thing of like the, the bubbles suddenly bursting because you spend a month of like everything being fine because doesn't matter what's happening at work, doesn't matter what's happening at home, you've got the football. You can look forward to that. You can forget about everything else. You can just be like, right, football's on tonight. We're gonna to be in the quarterfinals, yeah. the semi-final. It's it's great. You know, you can just look forward to that. And then suddenly when it's over, it's like, oh. Back to life. Back to normal life. Oh, God, no. Back to life. Back to reality. And that that was kind of my overwhelming feeling was not, oh, oh no, we didn't win it. More so that, oh, the kind of, the fantasy's over. It's like when you come back from holiday or when you finish like a book. Yeah. You're just like, oh, the the escapism has has ended and I'm now back back in the, you know, rat tunnel, you know, rat race. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was a disappointment. Um, but oh well, only eighteen months, and we'll be uh, in the World Cup. You know, World Cup rolls around pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was it. Um, we did go into London actually in the day of the final, um, around lunchtime, just to kind of I wanted to see what the atmosphere was like, and it was uh, <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. Um, Were you like Grandpa Simpson going into the Maison Derriere? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> we kind of steered clear of like the main squares because they were yeah looking a bit crazy. It's just that with that kind of football atmosphere of men going, yeah. and it's like oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Every every time someone in a crowd stops to tie their fucking shoelaces, ten of people going, "He's tying his shoes. He's tying his shoes." <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was interesting. <laughs> He's got a flare up his eyes. He's got a tiny willy. He's got a tiny willy. He's getting it out for legs. I was kind of disappointed because I watched it because I was like, I'm not going to yeah. be the one person on this, co- on this continent not watching it. And I, I did kind of realize halfway through, I was like, I should have tried to book a spot in a pub just to have a little bit of the atmosphere and have a few drinks with it. Because I saw some friends who were out about, obviously, English yeah. and I, just everywhere. Everyone was out watching it. And I was like, oh, yeah. Uh, it's a shame it's kind of all or nothing. They, I mean, it's pretty, you know, pretty good performances, you know, uh, from what I saw as a complete fucking non-sports watcher. Mm-hmm. Uh a lot to be proud of, but that's not the way. I, yeah, that's not the way. That's not was, the way things go, unfortunately. It was different from 2018 as well, where we got to the semi-finals because that was very unexpected, and it was like, oh, we lost, but it was you know a good run, and you know, yeah. it was it was a fun summer. Um, when you're actually expected to do well, when you lose, then it's actually upsetting. Um, and yeah, like you say, it's not like the Olympics where you win the silver medal. No, it's not bad, actually, winning the silver medal. Yeah. You're losing football when you are shit. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you've got to the final. You're shit. You lost. You're shit. 
which is a shame for the for the lads because I think they are pretty good, good players, good lads. But yeah, that's the cruelty of uh, sport. That's why I just get back to wrestling where it's all fake, baby. Yeah. <laughs> where it's all the work, and it and it never lets you down. You know, never lets you down. It, it reminds me a lot of the Croatia game, actually, the final. Yeah, and also to a lesser extent, the Iceland, the infamous Iceland game, because I think in all three of them, England went ahead very early. Mm. Um, two minutes, Luke Shaw didn't trip yeah. your score for an early free against Croatia, yeah, like and then Rooney penalty, and that's kind of turned to be their Achilles' heel. Is is when they get when they go ahead too early, mm-hmm. and they can't quite manage. You know, to either to be aggressive and get a second, or to like kind of sit on it, and then yeah. they kind of run out of steam. The yeah, they don't. Goes. It's kind of somewhere in between. Like they, they don't. You could see the game out if you went fully defensive, just yeah. sat back and defend. They weren't really set up for either, and I think that's the yeah. And Southgate wasn't to. very quick to change the. Like I don't expect he was going to make substitutions in the third minute necessarily, but no. But after half time, I thought he should have changed it. Half time, or certainly an extra time. Like, yeah, well, I think after you changed formation, it, it improved. But also, Italy weren't... I think Italy were great either, really. They should... No. With how bad England were playing, they should have won in 90 minutes. But And Italy took off a lot of their big hitters during the game. Yeah. Um, strange final. Yeah. Sure, look. It is what... Ireland weren't even in it. So. <laughs> They'll be back. Yeah, Ireland will be back. We don't even get every two years. Once, when they, is expand, once they expand the World Cup to 64. Yeah. We, we, might, we might get in through the playoffs then. <laughs> are they thinking of doing that are they thinking of yeah that? the next one after Qatar will be 64 oh that's going to be great <laughs> I, like, and I, I just I can't wait to see I can't wait till we get battered by a country I've never even heard of I mean yeah, that's it'll be, be Ireland against uh, Burundi or yeah, Tuvalu or something some, some sort of like middle of continental Europe province that somehow got um, uh, fucking like sovereignty, sovereignty <laughs> on its own, and like a couple of the local politicians uh, formed a football team, like San they, Marino, and they batter us. That'll be good. Um, yeah, that's the uh, that's the Euro yeah. golf. Anyway, hard look, hard luck, Joe. You got a good run out of it at least. First yeah, final in a while. Bit of fun, bit of fun, bit of fun. Um, what about there as we segue on from the the old footy? What about the music off for the week? What you've been listening yes. to in the interim? Uh, more Irish music, I, I guess, because oh, I yeah. listened to um, to Kojak. Mm. That it's now like I'm I'm still just going in Spotify new releases. That's that's my only criteria. I'm just picking a random one. Yeah. Um, I don't know if because I've listened to like a full Irish album numerous times that's it's recommending me more Irish stuff but probably probably yeah. it's very probable so two two more Irish albums excuse me first one is Mount Pleasure by Kosha mm. she is a uh, singer uh, similar I would guess in, in a way to Griff who I reviewed more far back um, this is probably the weakest of the albums I've listened to thus far. It's not really an album either. It's more of a kind of an, a, a long, a long EP mixtape, like 25 minutes type of deal. Uh, I described it to somebody as, uh, the kind of music you would hear on the menu screen of FIFA 17. I don't know <laughs> if that means anything to you, but it's, it's that kind of song, uh, or that kind of sound. Um, it's it's like if Beyonce released uh, a, a mixtape of like boring B sides, 
Right. It, that's what it sounds like. Like she is very good. She is very talented. But whereas Griff's um, songs and, and the writing of the songs is much more interesting, this is much more middle of the road R and B sounds. So uh, while I kind of appreciated the singer, the songs themselves weren't the most interesting. I, I didn't really get into many of them. There's one or two good ones. I'll give as I was. I do. I will give you the best song. Uh, my little recommendation. Uh, I was going to look it up quickly because I don't remember the names of the songs, even though I listened to it like five times. Uh, Kosha Mount Pleasure. Or sorry, it's called Mount Pleasant, not Mount Pleasure. Ah. Good Lord. Altogether less uh, sexualized. Mount Pleasant. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, I think I think the best track, I think the first three tracks are the best out of the eight that are on it. Um, so if you, if you want to listen to it, an even shorter little EP, just yes. listen to the first three and forget everything else on it. Um, I would say best track is uh, No Kink in the Wire. That'll be my recommendation. Okay. That one. And then secondly, Inhaler, which is a rock album. First rock album I'm going to review. Uh, probably the best album I've listened to thus far of all the albums I reviewed. Oh, okay. So I started listening to the first track, uh, It Won't Always Be Like This, which is also the name of the album. And it had a, a, a good pulsing, um, I would describe it as kind of a, a mix between kind of stereophonics, the strokes, with kind of indie elements of like a razor light or a Maximo Park, we are scientists kind of sound, right? Um, and then I was listening to the singer, and I was kind of reminding me of somebody. I'm like, who does this fucking singer sound like? Sounds like Bono. What? Sounds like Bono. So I'm like, okay, well, mix with a bit of U2 then. I know I know people aren't big on U2, but the singer, yeah. the singer undeniably sounds like Bono, right? Uh, so I'm looking up the band to see if they have any other albums, or, the, or if this is their first album, and this is, in fact, their first album. Uh, the singer is Bono's son. Oh, what? <laughs> and that's why he sounds like him. Little uh, Yeah, Elijah Hewson. Little Bono mm. Jr. Yeah. Um and I'll go on I'll go on a limb and say he's a better singer than Bono. He like he has Bono's like accent, Bono's pronunciation on certain words, but his singing voice is even a little bit more like Tom Yorkie right. from Radiohead. Because mm. he can hit a lot of like higher notes than I I've ever heard Bono hit. But he has that Bono, yeah, Mr. Mm. that Bono has, you know. Um and I'll show you guys. The listeners won't be able to see this, but I marked every song on the album Ooh. with a, the liked heart, the, the coveted like. Yeah, all eleven songs. I every one of them was up my street. So I'm going to give a big recommendation to that. Uh, it won't always be like this by Inhaler, best album I've listened to so far. And that's the music for this week. Inhaler is a great band name. That's a great band name. <laughs> like, not the biggest band to take over the world, but that's definitely like a festival headliner band name. There it is. Um, yeah, Inhaler. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's a, a solid recommendation there for uh, Inhaler. Um, jump into Telly Guff here. Uh, lads, we caught up on Rick and Morty. Yeah, I, was, I watched them on uh, all four. Yes. The uh, which who in a, in a WWE style bigging themselves up while I was watching it, they reminded me that they are the UK's biggest streaming service. Yes, they put that in all their ads. Biggest free streaming service. Oh, excuse me, sorry. Um, yeah, uh, so I'm all I'm all caught up as well. Me too. Uh, and I suppose the more kind of noteworthy one I imagine would be, I suppose, from two weeks ago. 
which was the Alison Brie uh, Captain Planet Planetina, yeah, yeah, thing. I I got the feeling watching it that it was going to be a bit of a grower and probably be a very fondly remembered episode retrospectively. I didn't love it as I watched it. To be to, as as it had a lot of positives going for it to be, but to be put it really plainly, I didn't think it was that funny. Unfortunately, I didn't think it was a very funny episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, but there were certain aspects of it I really liked. It was a, a way more sincere than a lot of Rick and Morty is. And also, usually when it gets very sincere, it gets sincere in a really nihilistic kind of way because that's Rick and Morty's thing. Whereas this was a bit more kind of earnestly kind of sweet in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, that, that's interesting, but I didn't find it very funny. And then the most recent episode, they went back to kind of having a wacky adventure that was a little bit funnier, but it didn't really land as much to me. And now I'm already looking back on last week's episode and saying, last week's is probably a bit, bit more indicative of what the show probably actually needs to keep itself sustainable for another yeah. five five seasons, I would say. Yeah, I think the most recent one felt very like South Park to me. Mm. In its plot and humor, um, the only thing apart from the art style, <laughs> if the art yeah. style was done with cardboard little cutouts, I'd be like, "This is a South Park episode." Yeah, um, yeah. I thought the first two episodes were the, were the best of the four. They were completely, especially the one where the second one where they were going through all the time jumps. Like, yes. I, I don't know how they write that. It's so complex, but it, yes. it, it was really good. And I've actually I've liked all four episodes. Um, I watched the first two back to back and then i watched three and four on consecutive nights and uh, yeah i think it's i think it's as good as it's ever been and mm. it's uh, it's a show i enjoy a lot despite uh that's been ruined for a lot of people by the fan base um i don't really pay attention to the fan base nah, nah, boasting i don't pay i don't pay attention to the fans but uh, like i don't talk to anybody about rick and morty i just watch it and enjoy it and it's like it's, yeah it's clever and it's funny and it's good that's i think that's a reasonable way to do it uh, and being on all four, all the better because it's like completely uncensored, unbleeped, mm. and that's yeah. the way to watch it. Uh, yeah, the first the first week it was on air. I, I pirated it online, highly illicit. You bastard! Really? Absolute bastard! I've taken money out of Dan Harmon's pockets. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's like I mean, I guess I guess Adult Swim is like over the air over there, so it can't. Or I don't even think it is. I think it's basic cable. But anyway, they for whatever reasons they 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 can't have you know uncensored swearing. And like, I don't know if they're like aware that oh well, there's uncensored versions out there, so we'll just lean into that. I watched the first episode and I watched it like censored. I was like, they, but they swear every second word on the show now, which yeah. they didn't, which they didn't initially. They do way more swearing now. And I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of unlistenable. This is actually kind of not watchable. Yeah. Uh, in a way, so yeah, I'm watching it on, on all. I think if you watch it online in the US, you get the uncensored version as well. Yeah, yeah, um, and because all their Blu-ray releases and when it goes on Netflix and stuff like that, they're all yeah. yeah it's, it's so it's literally just when you're watching uh, an over-the-air, which is all the more baffling that it wasn't that long ago. You would buy like a South Park like DVD set and it would be censored, <laughs> but it would yeah. be like 18s anyway. You're like, yeah. Because then I suppose there's, there's there's the argument then that that's, that a lot of that stuff is done for comic effect. Um, which I which I did kind of understand, and I I do think that stuff can be done well. But like I said, Rick and Morty now swears so much that it's like uh, this is mm. the the a, a beep a, a well timed beep can be funny, but when it's every, when it's every thirty seconds, it's just it's just annoying. Yeah, that reminds me of um, when I used to watch uh, Key and Peele back in the day. Mm. Some of those, whether it was like swearing or like you know the the black men would sometimes throw a racial slur in on occasion. Ooh. Um, but some of those skits are are just bleeps. Like, how could you watch it? <laughs> it's yeah. completely unwatchable. 
Um, that actually does remind me of another thing I, I, I watched this week. I forgot to put it on the rundown. I watched the uh, the pilot episode of Dark Side of the 90s, which is the new right. uh, Vice vehicle. Mm-hmm. They've, they've gone all in on Dark Side of the Rings, like legitimately their most successful television show ever. Yeah. Um, uh, so they've gone all in. They did a football series, which apparently people didn't really like, but then now they're doing Dark Side of the 90s. They put their pilot up on YouTube, as they often do. Uh, excuse me, I get sneeze oh the sneezes are coming for me um they put the pilot up on youtube and it was solid so the first episode was about trash tv um largely kind of revolving around uh, jerry springer but obviously bouncing off a variety of other mm. uh, talk shows but it was good it was good in the dark side of the ring kind of way in that it's not really the most incisive thing in the world there's no revelations it's kind of just a little bit wasn't this crazy remember this um, with nostalgia thrown in on top of that, because of course it's all about the nineties. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're do, they've. I haven't watched any of other stuff. I think there's been one episode since, but they're doing like hip hop, the internet, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, so I, I'd give that a thumbs up. Uh, yeah, thumbs up as well for Rick and Morty so far. Yeah, I think they're yeah, I think yeah. they're uh, uh, on flying form. Uh, I watched in the interim. This is one of those things that I, I tried to space out as much as I could because it's fairly limited. But I I, I burned through it in a day. Uh, the second season <laughs> of I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson on Netflix, um, oh, yeah. which uh, obviously the first one, it's one of those things that if you like it, you love it. You know what I mean? And it's, I love it. I think it was so, so funny. I've gone back and watched it a couple of times. It was greatly, in, I was anticipating this second series so much that it was kind of like that thing of I'm almost worried. Like, what if this drops and it's shit? You know what I mean? Like, that's going to be really disappointing. And it wasn't, thankfully. It was really, really good. I haven't, I haven't rewatched it yet because uh, it did just come out. Uh, but really, really funny. It, it, it's the same style as the as the first season. I think it probably has the same hit miss ratio. Uh, there was there's some stuff in in the first season, and that didn't land on me. Same in the second. The ratio is about the same. Some stuff just goes a little bit too long. It's a little bit too meandering. Um, uh, but generally speaking, there's a lot of hits, and I think I think the peaks are probably actually a little bit higher than the first season, which is which is. Uh, uh, really impressive, really genuinely, legitimately like side splitting stuff in some episodes. Um, yeah, just six episodes though, and like some of them are as short as like fifteen minutes. And I'm like, oh my god, this is the, it's been like two and a half years, I think, since the first <laughs> season. And yeah. then you you wait and you and they drop like two hours worth of content <laughs> to last you the next however long. But again, I I'd, I'd rather it be good and compact than you know mm-hmm. the typical Netflix thing of everything's twice as long as you actually want it to be. Uh, yeah, so uh, thumbs up on that one. Yeah, I watched that as well. Um, I'm a little conflicted about I think you should leave because I think it's very, very funny. Uh, but I also think it's bad, <laughs> which is a weird... It, it's it's almost like the best worst show or the best bad show that exists because I'm watching and, I, and of course, I'm laughing and I, I particularly liked maybe the first two episodes, I think, are, like, the strongest. Yeah. And I think the yes, sixth episode yeah. was the weakest. I didn't really like yes. the sixth episode at all. Yeah. Um, but to some of I was watching it, and I was like, this is really funny, and, like, it's kind of similar to Rick and Morty. Some of the surreal stuff is really up my alley. But, like, I'm watching, I'm like, it looks bad. The performances mm. are generally bad. <laughs> well, Your yeah. man, Tim Robinson, is, like, a poor man's Sandler, and I don't really like Sandler in the first place, and that he's always shouting... Or doing a silly face or yeah. shouting. There is, th- yeah. <laughs> um, so I kind of I I like it. Don't get me wrong, but I almost like it. 
I, I don't even know if it's, if it's making an effort to look good or have good performances. Maybe that's not the point. Maybe the point is just to make people laugh and just the humor. And in that sense, it's very successful. But as a television show, I can't help but like nitpick all the things that are bad about it. Yeah, no, I, like, I can get that. It's all the weirder for the fact that, as you say, it took two years or whatever for him to bring out another 80 minutes of content. <laughs> and like you, I burned through it super fast. Um, yeah, you can't help but do that when the episodes are like 15, 15 to 17 minutes long, uh, give or take. But um, some good little cameos in it as well. I wish I won't say who if people don't be spoiled on it, but there was one one skit uh, about a, a man's hypothetical wife who is sick, which yes. uh, elevate which escalates from there. It was very, very funny. Um, yeah, a lot, lot of really funny stuff in it, a lot of really funny almost like modern Monty Python kind of Americanized obviously but uh yeah that, that kind of comedy which was very good um yeah the um it's it, it I'd almost like to see more of it but I feel like it's just not the show's style so they'd never make no. it a recurring thing but I'd love to see the the skit in I think it's the second episode with the the old man outfit like they're, yeah, they're gonna do they're, 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 they're gonna do like a uh fucking jackass bad grandpa style skit and i won't say what happens but stuff like that i think i would almost like more of but i don't think that's that's not their thing they're they're like yeah they did that for the purpose of a sketch because it's a sketch show but um yeah i i did think i did think episode six was the weakest. i think in generally it felt very front-loaded um yeah. i think the second half of the series had a lot of the problems that i had with the first which is sometimes a skit doesn't land and that's fine but in i think you should leave I frequently find that a skit doesn't land, and those are always the Keep longest going. ones as well. Yeah. They're always the longest ones. Um, like I, it's it's like it, that's one area that it's just like I don't know what it is. It's probably just complete. Like again, it's all subjective. I'm sure there are people who love yeah. those. Bit. Although, although the ones that I don't like, they're they're the I don't see them quoted as much either. You know, sure. at the end of the day, everyone loves coffin flop, but you know, I don't see anything <laughs> from season six getting uh, episode six being quoted. No, but uh, but yeah, no, I, th- I think you should leave is for all its, its weirdness and foibles. I, I I feel like it almost kind of is intentional. I don't think I don't think they want it to look good or or or, and it is very hammy. It's extremely hammy. Um, yeah. There is there is one skit they do that does look good, which is all the more jarring, which is the one where he has Santa? no. And in fact, I I didn't like the Santa skit. Oh, what? I love that one. I love that one for too long because you, you get the joke right away. And they you do, yeah. That, I get that. Yeah, um, yeah. No, the one with the the baby, where he's he's. I used to be a dickhead, or I used to be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then suddenly it goes into a dream sequence, and there's yeah. like lens flare, and it suddenly looks really well shot, and then it goes yeah. back to the usual stuff. No, the Santa one, like I, I was curious. I was like, "Where's this going?" And then you get the little oh Santa Claus, and you're like, "Okay," and it just goes on and on. I, I, yeah. I don't know if the actor who played Santa understood what the joke was or what the point of it was because how he played it seemed at odds with what the joke seemed to be. Yeah, I, I wasn't super on that one. I, I'm more of a like um, sloppy steaks man. Uh, mm. A um, probably my favorite joke in the series, which is was part of one of those really long going on forever parts was the you know did you give did you give yet did you give yeah but specifically the moment where he goes to his his we're talking only now for people who have seen the show no one else knows that but he goes to his desk and hands him a piece of paper and the piece of paper says look at my face and then he just talks to him <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's probably my favorite moment of the of the, the season yeah 
Um, uh, I watched another episode of The Leftovers as well. Oh, yeah. Um, I I keep meaning to watch that because I'm leaving it behind and I'm watching other stuff. But I I do want to finish it because I I have to get through that first season to get to the good seasons. So I've watched four out of ten episodes now in season one. Uh, Last episode was good, but it felt very... Uh, standalone, like it didn't progress the main story a lot. It, it, it's, it felt almost like a lost flashback episode where all the stuff is happening on the island and oh, the monster. But then you have to find about Jack was a doctor in the past. And da, da, da. it felt a little bit like that <laughs> where I, I'm waiting to see where the story is going to go. And the last episode had a pretty, not a cliffhanger, but a, a pretty meaningful happening at the end of the episode that wasn't referred to at all in episode four. So episode four felt a little bit more spinning the wheels. But um, I'm not loving it. It's it's a show that's okay, but obviously I don't feel feel compelled to go back to and watch. I almost have to force myself to, to sit down and watch it, which is not right. a good sign. No. But when I watch it, I enjoy it. It's good. But it's like you know, this I I say the sign of a good video game is when you're not playing it, you're thinking about playing it. When I'm not yeah. watching the leftovers, I'm not thinking about watching it. So. Okay. That's my review of that. Also, I watched Drag Race, obviously. Uh, Bianco Del Rio was on it. It was great. Right. He, we have. He, he didn't sign with WWE? No. <laughs> no. Why am I singing Fandango's theme? He's a different person. <laughs> um, yeah. That's like in like No Mercy. You give one wrestler the other wrestler's music and entrance, and Vince McMahon is coming out with the diva walk. <laughs> okay, we've got so many movies. Let's go through so many movies. I'll just I'll I'll ditch the the rewatches fairly quickly. Uh, just because we wanted to see something in the cinema and it was on, we went to see Freaky again, uh, the Vince Vaughn Freaky Friday style movie. Um, uh, not a movie you think of. That's this has to be seen in cinema. Not at all. But it was very funny hearing people react to that movie because it gets weird. So yeah. thumbs up on that. That's a really fun movie. Christopher Landon, like low key, one of my favorite directors now, out of nowhere. Um, and we rewatched John Wick two and three because Ron had never seen them before. So uh, John Wick two, John Wick two. Uh, John. Yeah, I tell you what, on, on re- we've talked about John Wick to death in this podcast, <laughs> but every time I rewatch three, I'm just like, I don't know if you should be making a fourth. I feel like we've gotten it, and I feel like you're, you're it's diminishing returns. The plot yeah. stuff, it is diminishing returns. I didn't need, I don't need to see the Mystic Elder. I don't need to see that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I. I um now i still like it because i think it also has the most mental ratio of just absolutely breakneck action um it, it goes border on like the raid levels yeah yeah it's crazy so but, but it's still good so those are the rewatches anyway yeah. uh anyone ha- uh, who, who saw black widow i haven't yet I saw but, fe- saw but feel free to talk about it as much as you want because i really don't care uh <laughs> what did you make of it joe i thought it was a very typical marvel movie uh, basically the same template as all the other ones, but with different characters and accents cut and pasted into the various uh, strands. Yeah, so I, did, I didn't, I didn't dislike it, but also, I, yeah, it kind of washed over me. Um, some good bits I liked. Um, oh, I keep forgetting his name, but the guy David Harbour, David Harbour from Stranger Things, he's very funny in it. I think he's 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 got great kind of comic delivery and timing. I think Florence Pugh's good. Johansson does a, you know, good job. She's she's usually pretty good. Uh, Ray Winston is probably the funniest character in it. <laughs> yeah. he, he's the only person in it that gives the role the appropriate amount of respect, which yeah. is to say very little. Uh, he doesn't really bother with the Russian accent 
beyond the odd word here or there, like, yes, Russian, what do you want? Um, but yeah, and then the, fi- yeah, the final act of the, the film is, it goes into sort of hyper-Marvel CGI, they end up on a spaceship or something. I don't even know what it was, like a, a spaceship or something. And yeah. And then, yeah, it's, it's, and then at the end, it turns out that Scarlett Johansson, I didn't re- remember this, but she died in the, <laughs> so at the end, they just have like, they go to a graveyard and I'm like, oh, that's depressing. She died. What <laughs> fucking yeah. point of this movie then? Jesus Christ. So yeah, yeah. That, the, the main kind of um, continuity of the, of the, you know, the Avengers kind of lingers through all these movies like a fart in a lift. It's just like, oh God, just can you not just move on? Like, yeah. I don't, yeah, don't care about all that. The, the, it takes place after Civil War, and perhaps some of the freaks who watch the Disney Plus shows will tell me, actually, you're wrong. It's very important that this movie was released now. I was just watching it going, I probably would have enjoyed this a lot more if you released it after Civil War. Um, you benefit. No, it, it, it literally just feel it. It does feel like oh, there was a, a film left on her contract, or oh, people are yelling at us for not having enough, mm. you know, female centric films. So we'll fart this out because there's there's literally no benefit. It doesn't recontextualize the, the other movies in any significant way. So and you know, and just in general, I, I'm I'm going to give all these new movies like Shang Chi and the Eternal. Give them a chance. But I'm finding it really hard to give two fucks about any of this Avengers stuff post post Endgame, um, especially one that's then set before it. I, how could you possibly care about that? Um, uh, in general, I I mostly thought it was another typical kind of solid mid tier Marvel movie it, on the level of like Captain America one, you know, uh, you know, so so, and then. And then the final act, because it's it's a little bit born ish, obviously mm. through the through through the lens of Marvel, so it's not as good. But they're kind of running around hungry, doing doing cool stunts and actual chases through the streets. Looks pretty nice. Florence Pugh is good. David Harbour good. Johansson good. Taskmaster cool. He's just a or, or they're just a a tall suited up armor fucking shield bow and arrow badass. I'm like okay, good, 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 and then. All uh, the characters start doing, uh, so that happened, Marvel face uh, jokes, oh. um, and it fucking sucks because they're trying to talk about how, um, uh, you know, they have this fucking great intro sequence where David Harbour is the dad to the kids. They live in a white picket fence, suburban America. They have this cool chase sequence at an airport. They have to fly off. You realize, oh, he's a Russian spy. He also yeah. doesn't even really care about the kids. He's just be, he's literally just thinks of them as an asset. That sets the plot in motion. You then get this montage about how fucking child trafficking, the Russians, they're fucking pulling girls off the streets. It's dark as fuck. And then once the actual movie gets going, um, literally there is a scene where Florence Pugh is doing shitty fucking Chris Pratt, uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, humor about getting her uh, uterus yanked out because they, they sterilize all the kids. And she goes, uh, yeah, so that happened. And David Harbour goes, oh, my God, that's disgusting. You tell me this? I'm Russian. You tell me this? You tell me about the uterus? And I was like, oh, yeah, well, it wasn't a barrel of laughs for us either, guy. I'm like, what What movie is this? What What the fuck is happening in this film? And then, um, yeah, as Joe said, the first half of the movie, 
you know, not quite, but born-ish, you know, kind of cool, mm-hmm. kind of refreshing, a little bit of a break from WandaVision, uh, you know, Infinity War CGI nonsense. And then they go on Ray Winston's spaceship, and it's some of the absolute worst CGI you've seen in a Marvel film since probably, like, the early days of the MCU. They, there's, there's, like, really peak, climactic, dramatic moments, I won't spoil where it's it, like it looks like Florence Pugh is on the set of a student film, just standing in front of a, of a very badly done green screen. It looks fucking horrible, and I was just like, "This is this is like the breaking point for me with these movies." I ended up actually coming out pretty negative on it. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was that was Black Widow, um, and then they had, and then they had a, a post credit stinger to like plug their fucking Disney Plus show. Um, fucking Hawkeye is the next one. Imagine watching that. Imagine watching that. Oh, yeah. This was all just building up to the really big feud, which is Florence Pugh versus Jeremy Renner. Uh, <laughs> on Disney Plus. That's, that's the big feud. Um, yeah. So... Uh, the Battle like of I... the Squareheads. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm interested in those the, the new, the kind of refresh characters coming out, you know, the I know I know nothing about Shang Chi or or the Eternals, uh, and of course the the Doctor Strange movie and the Spider Man movie they look kind of weird, and yeah. Sam and Sam Raimi's doing Doctor Strange. I'm like, okay, let's, let's give this a go. But a lot of this other stuff, this like kind of tying up loose ends of the Avengers, don't give a shit about any of this. Um, uh, it's done. So um, so yeah, uh, the other big film release this week, of course, was Space Jam Two. Oh. Anyone else watch Space Jam Two or just me? Did me fucking hole. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it. I went back about a year and a half ago and rewatched Space Jam just out of curiosity, and my take on it was that obviously this is very nostalgia tinged for a lot of people, but really it's also not bad. It's not especially hilarious, but it's kind of cute, and it's also still it's doing that really fun thing, which is mixing CGI, uh, not not CGI specifically, not CGI like cartoon characters and and. Uh, real life characters it's fine for what it is michael jordan's not very good in that movie but you know whatever who cares it's fun it's not great but it's, it's okay and so i was kind of thinking if this movie can hit that same threshold i'll be happy it does not have to be traditional definition of good but oh boy oh boy is it bad it is it is pain. it's shockingly incoherent for the sequel to the film which is just the cartoons wanted to have a basketball game with an alien, so they went and got a good basketball player. This one, there's like... Warner Brothers... The, the movie has been talked about a lot as a big advertisement for all their IP, which it is to a comical degree. But the villain of the movie is like the Warner Brothers algorithm that wants to insert LeBron James into all their IP in a really mm. cynical way. And he goes, that sounds fucking stupid. And the algorithm gets offended and pulls LeBron James and his son into the game to have a basketball game to determine the outcome of the rest of his life basically and it's like the the evil algorithm looking to fart out shitty movies using your ip is the villain of this movie but but you then made this movie where that's exactly what it is it's literally it's literally like like it's so insanely cynical like it is literally kind of like boy wouldn't viewer wouldn't you love to fucking play as all these characters in fortnite wouldn't you do want to do that you do want to do that well let me tell you We've got it's coming out. You can do that. We've got a Game of Thrones skin pack coming. What? Oh my god! And look at all these other characters. It's, it's, it's literally just look at all these characters we fucking got. Can you believe this? Look at Superman. Oh my god! And not in a not in a remotely funny kind of uh, like 
self-depreciating way like the lego the lego movie was shockingly you know fun with that stuff despite the fact that it was obviously about that's like probably the pinnacle of movies as advertisements but it was still yeah. a well-made thing this is literally just look at what we got and it's just cramming references in there foghorn leghorn says i say i say i say winners winners coming boy i say winners coming i'm like yeah that was a thing on one of your shows <laughs> three not, years ago three, th- three years <laughs> oh. ago that is not even fondly remembered uh lebron jay they briefly fly by the harry potter planet um and and lebron james goes oh i'm a hufflepuff like, yeah that sure is a thing in one of those movies that you you guys own that's cool um it's just there's a couple of there's like a tiny handful of scenes where <laughs> where it's kind of amusing they basically take literal just footage from old movies like casablanca and fury road and they insert Looney Tunes characters into it. Part of the part of the second act after LeBron James arrives in Cartoon World is Bugs Bunny's on his own because basically uh, the evil algorithm villain Don Cheadle told all the Looney Tunes get out of this Cartoon World. Why don't you go and be other other films? You don't have to be stuck here. And so there's a couple of mildly amusing gags where like Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner are in Fury Road, and they've taken the literal scenes from the movie and they've superimposed them in. And that stuff is like mildly cute. But also still extremely cynical because there's about a good solid six minutes of this film that is repurposed old films, um, uh, like surprisingly long sequences, uh, and some of those are cute, but most of them are just kind of hey, remember this? Look at this, um, and it's just it's so so weird. And then they have the big climactic basketball game where it was literally just like they were trying to cram all as many of their characters as they could into the crowd scenes. The mask is back there. I had no clue one of those owned the mask in his big yellow suit and green face. Um, but yeah, it sucked. It wasn't funny. Some people, I heard some people say they thought, you know, Don Cheadle was like amusing, hamming it up as the villain. I didn't really think so. I think he was just, he was just doing a performance. It was, it was fine. Uh, LeBron James has been decent in his limited acting outings previously. I did not think he was very good in this. I was, I was expecting at the very least, like, well, he'll be better than Michael Jordan, who wasn't very good. He, he's about the same. He's about at level of that performance he's quite obviously not an actor um yeah it's bad it's i don't i don't think there's kind of any ironic or cute kitsch uh, value to be had out of it uh it was just pretty depressing um uh, <laughs> to be quite honest it's also two hours long um uh, which i was kind of surprised by but um yeah uh so that is space jam the other thing i watched then to wrap it all off for me this week i Wanted to watch uh, Inside, the Bo Burnham Netflix thing. Realized I'd never actually watched any of his previous specials, so I watched all of them. Uh, well, he only has two prior to this on Netflix. So I watched What, which was his 2013, his first Netflix special. Uh, really funny, really clever, really inventive. Um, he was 22 when he made that, which is kind of bonkers when you when you watch it, because it's very clever. Like, he's, he's legitimately, he kind of seems like one of those kind of entertainment prodigies, because he's doing music, he's doing stand-up. The, there's a, there is a little bit of kind of fourth wally stuff where he's got a lot of like other production elements uh, going off to kind of time out certain jokes. Uh, he's fusing a lot of really old timey kind of traditional joke concepts with very kind of high energy fucking like 2010s YouTube comedy energy. A lot of which was shite, but he 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 he, he parlays it into something funny. Uh, really good. Uh, not the funniest thing ever, but I was kind of impressed with his just. Ability to do various different things um, uh, in one special. And then I watched Make Happy, which is a 2016 special, which was more of the same, but I just thought funnier. I just thought the jokes were better, is the, the, the short review of that one. 
And then I watched Inside, which is the one he dropped there a few weeks ago, which is basically kind of crosses the threshold from like a stand-up comedy into I I I put it on my my like top films of the year list because it's kind of a film. He's 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 telling jokes, he's writing songs, but he's performing them to no one in his house, and it's edited together with a kind of narrative structure, and it also kind of becomes a documentary about the process of making the special while also being stuck in his house for a year. Uh, so so I, I, I thought Inside was really, really good. I could imagine if it came out about six-ish months ago, I would have thought it would have been extremely depressing. A lot of people have said it's extremely depressing. Um, I think now because we're able to go outside a little bit and do things and see people and go shopping and whatnot, it, it curbs the, um, uh, the the depression a little bit. But a lot of it is about the absolute misery of being stuck indoors for a year. Um, and also there's a little bit of his kind of... He puts a lot of himself in it. He's a lot out there because, as I say, about halfway through it really starts to become about his struggles as someone trying to write a thing and produce a thing for Netflix while stuck in this situation. Um, it's great. It's kind of intense at parts, but it is very funny, and he is, he is tremendously talented. That's been, that's been my big takeaway of the weekend after watching about four hours of this guy back-to-back do his thing. He's incredibly talented guy um uh and also he's in the inside in particular the music is pretty good it's 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 not just funny i think in inside he's produced his most legitimately kind of toe tapping kind of uh addictive songs for lack of a better term so um yeah thumbs up on thumbs up on all three of those which are all on netflix um if anyone has not yet checked it out and i would i would believe the hype about inside if you because it was all, all the all anyone was talking about the week it came out, at least that I saw, um, I would encourage people to check it out. And I, I would do what I did, I, having never seen them before. I would start at the beginning of his stuff um, because they kind of play into each other, I think, unintentionally, but I think they're actually really interesting to watch in progress um, over the years. But uh, yeah, that was a that was my bumper uh, movie guff this week. Nice. All right, Joe, go for it. Uh, a few more from me. So we watched on Amazon Prime uh, a new Chris Pratt movie, uh, The Tomorrow War. Oh. Um, so the re- the main, main motivation for watching it is that one of the hosts of a podcast that Michelle and I listened to um, had a kind of small role in the movie. Um, so we were kind of intrigued based on that. We probably wouldn't have bothered watching it otherwise, but we gave it a go. Um, it's a, it's a sci- sci-fi action movie where um, a group of time travellers come back from the future to warn humanity that there's going to be some uh, invasion that threatens the whole existence of humanity, okay. basically. And Chris Pratt plays, I think he's a scientist, I'm not really sure. <laughs> He was some, I think he was also a soldier. Maybe he was in the army and then he became right. something like that. He's a soldier and a scientist. Protagonist, yeah. Yeah. Generic kind of, yeah, soldier scientist. Um, and he's the kind of main character and he goes, gets sent to the future with a kind of ragtag bunch to try and figure out what's going on. Um, I didn't like the movie. Um, 
I would say the dialogue was some of the absolute worst I've seen in any movie in years, quite frankly. Wow. It was terrible. There's one point where, um, oh, I forget his name as well, the guy that plays Jonah Jameson. J.K. Simmons. Uh, J.K. Simmons. Simmons, yeah. He's in it, playing Chris Pratt's dad. And there's a bit where Chris Pratt says, oh, I want you know, something, something. And J.K. Simmons goes, yeah, well, I want Stevie Nicks to walk in with a jar of grease and a big <laughs> pickle. Or, but, uh, you know, you don't get what you want. And it's like, how do you put in that cliche of a gag, unironically, um, and not, not cut it out? It, and it's that kind of level of dialogue throughout the whole thing. Like, It's also just the characters are just, I didn't say they're one-dimensional, they're just barely even dimensional really it's, it's paper thin um you know he has a daughter in chris pratt's a daughter in the in the movie and she's part of his motivation but again not, nothing really there there's the action sequences are fine and i quite like the the monsters that are in it that are in the i won't give it well if i get give it away they're aliens but come they're killing humanity basically <laughs> um, but they're quite scary like they, they're more like monster movie rather than just aliens so i did like that yeah kind of got a bit creative with that but yeah it's long the dialogue is terrible characters aren't particularly interesting um and yeah i would not recommend it and it goes off in quite a weird tangent towards the end as well but yeah yeah really really poor and it caught it I've read that Amazon paid two hundred million for it. So originally, it was going to be a cinema release. I think I maybe it was maybe it was Warner Brothers or Universal or someone else. They sold it to Amazon for two hundred million. Like bloody hell, they did not get their money's worth. Um, but yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow war <laughs> to to be avoided is my recommendation. Um, other than that, I watched a few other things. Watched a Beautiful Mind, the um, Ron Howard Russell Crowe movie from years and years and years ago, which I'd never gotten around to seeing. Uh, we watched that. It was a very Ron Howard movie, all kind of sepia and <laughs> not particularly in depth. It's about um, John Nash, who was a kind of genius Nobel Prize level mathematician who had schizophrenia. Uh, and it's about kind of his struggles of, of managing both. Um, it's not particularly faithful to real life. It's very kind of cozy. Um, but it was it was what it was. It's decent but uh yeah i wouldn't go out of your way if you never caught that i wouldn't kind of go out of your way to to tick that off your list um also finally finally got to see uh bill and ted face the music which is the mm. third in the bill and ted trilogy released um nearly 30 years after the the second one came out so i was a huge bill and ted fan as a kid like i saw the first two movies of this was late 80s early 90s absolutely loved the movies they're very charming they kind of invented a lot of that um, like Californians or surfer way of speaking, like, whoa, radical, dude, awesome. All that kind of stuff was just, I think, um, popularized by the kind of Bill and Ted movies in a lot of ways. Um, so I was looking forward to this. I watched it. It was it was passable, but it, it definitely kind of lacked the charm of the first two movies. You know, it, it didn't have that, um, especially as they're now old men. Like they're they're fifty year old men. They're not teenagers anymore. Yeah. And Keanu Reeves in particular, the other guy Alex Winter has aged quite well. He looks yeah you know, pretty much the same, just older. Keanu Reeves without a beard, he doesn't have a chin. His <laughs> face 
His face and neck are just sort of one long limb, right? It's very odd. And normally, like in John Wick, you don't notice because he has he has the beard, and yeah. in a lot of the movies he has the beard. But for this, he shaved it off so that he would look like you know the original character. Yeah. And he just like, yeah, God, he looks really bizarre. Um, <laughs> so there was that, yeah. And it's it's it was possible, as I say, and they they added like daughter characters. Yeah, um, to kind of go back in time. And they, I actually probably would have preferred just to watch the daughters. They were they were quite fun. Yeah. It has the the lead from Ready or Not, um, and she was she was quite good. And the there's a the, I can't remember her name, but it's the, the brunette character is Keanu Reeves' daughter. She was really good okay. as well. Um, yeah, so again, passable, but not not brilliant. Um, and then a couple of other movies we watched a movie called Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, which is a movie. Starring Kristen Wiig and Amy Mumolo, I believe her name is, uh, sort of SNL uh, alumni that Michelle's a big fan of. So we watched this movie, and it's about these kind of two slightly strange middle-aged women who go on holiday. It's I appreciated it was quite a weird movie, lots of sort of non sequitur comedy and strange sort of slightly abstract uh, jokes in it. Um, but overall, it felt a little bit like an SNL sketch. Like when they when they take one of those SNL characters and try to turn it into a movie, and you think, mm, yes, this would probably be better in a five minute sketch, not a ninety minute movie. It gets a little bit stretched, but um, yeah, it was 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 okay. It was was entertaining enough. And then finally, yesterday, watched or rewatched for probably the twentieth time, Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, yeah. which is, I think it might be my favorite action movie ever, even though it's incredibly stupid. <laughs> um, I just love Samuel L. Jackson and Bruce Willis together are brilliant. Jeremy Irons hands it up in a way that Alan Rickman could only dream of, you know, in his, in his worst nightmares. Um, yeah, it's such a silly movie, but I absolutely love every minute of it. So, yeah, um, <laughs> legitimately up there as one of my favourite action movies of all time. But happy uh, and that was it for me on the movie front. Alrighty. Uh, Paul. Yeah, last but not least. What have you been watching? Uh, Watching a lot of the um, charity shop DVDs that I bought. (laughs) Yes. I I haven't watched um, Evolution again yet. That's still Mm. on the the two-watch pile. But uh, I watched uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, also starring Keanu Reeves, also without a beard. Um... Uh, but more importantly, starring Gary Oldman and Anthony Hopkins. And yeah, this is I, I mentioned that uh, they did a review of this on, on the Red Letter Media YouTube. And so once I came across it in the charity shop, I said, oh, I'll give that a watch. And uh, I did like it a lot, but it's also very strange. And the pace of the start of it is so frenetic that I, I'll have to go back and watch it again to properly... Not understand it, but properly absorb it for sure. It's a, it's a bit all over the place, and it's going like back and forth through time periods and so on and so forth. But overall, enjoyed it. Gary Oldman's very good at it. It's a fantastic looking film. The it, it won like all the Oscars that they don't show you during the ceremony. The costume <laughs> design and set design. It, that's where it's great. Um, the dialogue is a little bit too overwrought at times and a, too, a bit cheesy on the cheesy side but uh as far as a film goes in in terms of the, the craft of the filmmaking um really good 
but I need to watch it again. I think I, I went like a seven out of ten on it. Okay, but um, it's one that I I would nearly wish to watch in a cinema because you it it needs you to sit down and give it it the full attention. You know, mm. the second you look down at your phone, even just for a little bit, you look up and wait a minute, what's happening? Who's this? Where? where, where? Because it's it's really it's really quickly paced. What was good? Uh, less good was Shallow Hal, which oh, I saw. You're joking. Well, I saw Francis. Shallow. I saw Shallow Hal when it came out uh, originally. Francis Ford Woo-hoo. Coppola's Shallow Hal. Yeah, well, the 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 Farrelly brothers, Shallow <laughs> Hal, starring Jack Black and Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, well, it's 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 watchable enough. But it, it also is very misguided and very clumsy in how it wants to um, deliver its, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, Jack Black uh, is, is a man who only likes the pretty, the pretty women. And, and, and so the message is like, what no. a big, I know. <laughs> well, the, mes- <laughs> the message of the film seems to be like good, good looking in inverted quotes, women are all like uh, mean and nasty and, you know. Uh, for you I... young kids listening, basically what a progressive film used to be 20 years ago <laughs> was a bunch of men writing a movie about how uh, pretty women are cunts, <laughs> but ugly women can sometimes be nice in a way. Yeah. Um, wouldn't it be nice? Well. Wouldn't it be nice, fellas, yeah. if a woman could be both? Am I right? But unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Anyway, here's Jack Black. <laughs> The irony being that Jack Black is not like a classically handsome, slim man, which yeah. I guess is the point, right? Yeah, it, it, it's the hypocrisy of it. But like the film, the film wants to deliver this message that like beauty is in the eye of the beholder, true beauty is on the inside, beauty is beautiful. skin deep, and all these beautiful platitudes, right? But also, the film wants to call uh, these these same women hippos and rhinos. <laughs> And um, Jason Alexander, who's in it, with the, the worst hairpiece you'll ever see, right? Um, why would you put a hairpiece on Jason Alexander? That's half of why he's so funny. <laughs> There's one shot where he's talking to, to um, t- Tony Robbins, the like self-help guy. Mm. And he's shot from behind Jason Alexander. And you can see the line on his hair where his real hair separates from the hairpiece. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. But there's... He, um, Tony Robbins says to him something like, um, "Did you ever hear? I forget what uh, idiom he gives him, but you know the saying. Did you ever hear this saying? Blah blah blah. Beauty's only skin deep." And uh, he says to him, "Yeah. Did you ever hear who let the dogs out?" I'm like, "What is this film? It wants to, it wants to be like, oh, you know, don't don't only go for the beauty. Go for you know the nice girl who's maybe not so nice in the eye, but also call them like you know animals and stuff. So it's 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 a it's a bit all over the place." it's very it's very problematic in many ways um like jack black's character you said he he's he's obviously no no uh mr universe himself but he's like portrayed as the 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 goof with a heart of gold but he's like a prick in it yeah <laughs> you know so it's 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 a bit all over the place it's a, it doesn't really Anyway, thankfully, the Peter Farley, you know, grew up a lot over the course of fifteen years, and then made the much smarter film Green Book about how racism is bad. Yeah, so exactly. 
Oscar. Um, if he, uh, it, oh, just if only there were some more white people to tell us about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that that would be the next film. Is that is is well, black people are nice on the inside. <laughs> Absolutely dreadful, dreadful stuff by the Farleys. And also, uh, from a personal point of view, features the worst Irish accent ever committed. Oh, really? I've never seen Shallow Hell, actually, now that you mentioned it. They have, um, I forget the actor's names, like, there's a dog whining behind me, I don't know if you can hear it. Um, Let me find it here quickly, Shallow Hell, because they have an Italian-American actor playing... No, it's Joe Vitarelli, right? That is the most Italian American name yeah, I've ever Joe heard Vitarelli, yeah. My God, they had him do an Irish accent. He he plays an he plays Gwyneth Paltrow's dad. Okay, with an with an Irish accent. What? I don't know why. His his accent his accent is terrible. Worse than like Tom Cruise in Far and Away. Far and Away, the worst accent I've ever heard. Um. So yeah, maybe give Shadow Hall a miss if you have. Uh, Taste a, a brain or any sense of decency. Um, ne- speaking of Terminator Genesis, which one is this? I can never keep track of the names. I've only seen the the first two. So this is number five. Number fucking hell! It's With not the most recent C- one. Christian Bale? No, that's number four. That's Salvation. <laughs> I have no idea. So it goes to the Terminator. Okay. T two Judgment Day. Yeah. Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines. Yes. Terminator Salvation. Yes. Terminator Genesis. Right. Terminator Dark Fate. I did so did, so did Schwarzenegger come back for the one you watched? Yes. I didn't realize he had a comeback before Dark Fate. I thought there was these other ones that were like spin-off ones and then he came back for Dark Fate. No, no, Genesis is the one he came back for. Okay. Starring Emilia Clark, everyone's oh, favorite actor. Great. Oh yeah. And Jason Clark, who is good, but mm. he's in this film. Um. Yeah, it sucked. What more I can say about it. it's it's like structurally so bad. Um, like I'll jump ahead to the next movie. I thought it was Commando, right? Command also starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Funny enough, but Commando for as many problems as Commando has. Commando starts with like Arnold Schwarzenegger living out in the middle of nowhere, carrying a log like fucking Brock Lesnar used to, and then cutting wood. And he's living like he's isolated from society, right? And then he starts talking about how he used to be in this commando unit, and the, like the unit split up eventually. And he's 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 done his work. He's now living his life. So I'm like, okay, I understand his character. I understand what's happening. Great. Terminator Genes- Genesis, Genesis. What the fuck am I saying? Terminator Genesis just starts with like action, 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 and then the most boring conversation between Jason Clark and um, Jai Courtney. And I'm like, <laughs> what a cast! Jai Courtney and Amelia Clark in one movie. <laughs> Hell yeah! But they're like, it's it's action, 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 and a montage of like Judgment Day. So like destruction, 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 action, boom, boom, blah, blah. Um, and then Jai Courtney and um Jason Clark are just talking military talk about Cyberdyne yeah. and Skynet, and I'm like, I don't know who any of these characters are. I don't know what their motivations are. They just go straight back into action, and then Arnie shows up and. You, you don't understand who any of the characters are. There's no like establishment of anything in the film. It's just right. uh, well, we need Arnie to show up, so we do an action scene, and then Arnie walks in and is is shoots right. Um, which which is fine for Arnie because presumably you will have seen other Terminator films. You kind of get his character, but like who like Jai, Jai Courtney, 
um, Emilia Clarke, while they're playing characters that you recognize, they're obviously not the same people. So you don't necessarily know um, Sarah Connor's story, especially given that this happens in an alternate reality where um, this is not the Terminator from 1984 that you obviously we love, uh, right? This is this is an alternate version of the 1984 Terminator oh, where I another... Know that. Another Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator was sent back to Sarah Connor as a child to protect her from another Terminator, which you don't see. It only gets talked about. So it's actually a difference. And so the, the movie makes no fucking sense. The movie is ugly. The performances are all shit. <laughs> Structurally, it's horrible. Amelia Clark needs to never work again. Um, I said that's on its that's on its way to happen. Don't worry. Fucking bad, 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 bad. The only good thing about it, ironically, was like. Schwarzenegger himself seemed to have fun doing it. Yeah. Um, and also, one of the big problems I had, right, was in the opening, like, two minutes, there's this huge CGI shot of, like, the Golden Gate Bridge getting destroyed during Judgment Day. Yeah. It's, the it's like, the most exciting, elaborate shot in the entire film. So as soon as I saw that two minutes in, I'm thinking, okay, nothing else in this film is going to live up to this shot I'm watching now in a montage. Yeah. Never mind. Like that. It's the equivalent of like the white house blow blowing up an independence day. Right. Right. You don't have that in the first two minutes of your film during a montage. You have that as like maybe the end of your second act where you have the big moment, the big destruction moment, because nothing else that happens in the film seems as big as what I've seen two minutes in. So like I say, structurally fucking all over the place. Um, then commando. Now, unfortunately I was watching, my DVD version of Commando, uh, which if you have seen a version of Commando released in the United Kingdom prior to 2015, you have seen the censored version, which is the version that I watched. Um, yeah, Commando had to be cut to receive a release in the UK as per the really? BBFC. Uh, this was only waived in 2007, and the first release featuring the uncut version was released in 2015. Uh, my DVD is a 2007 print, so unfortunately is the cut version. So um, US folk will not uh, have suffered like we have. Uh, obviously, Ireland using uh, the same print of videos and DVDs as the UK receives. They just yeah. whack on the Irish certificate on the like box or whatever. Um, we, we also have the censored version, right? So if you are based in the UK and Ireland and you've seen Commando and you've seen the version where he, when he does the don't bother my friend, he's dead tired, does that gag, right? He elbows the guy next to him in the airplane and like knocks him out and puts like a blanket over him and a hat on his head. That is the edited version. What he actually does is he elbows him and then grabs him in a headlock and does the old comical break neck with the sound. Effect, <laughs> um, but it's like completely whack. It's like wrestling. He fucking puts him in a headlock and yeah. jiggles his arm and it goes. <laughs> so it's not like massively graphic, but I remember back in like the late eighties, early nineties, censorship was rife for that kind of stuff. Like we, we had teenage mutant hero turtles course, rather than Ninja yeah. turtles. Mm-hmm. They weren't allowed to show Michelangelo's nunchucks. So all those scenes were edited out of the version of Ninja turtles. We have, etc., etc. Right. It was all about like replication uh, that children, if children could replicate, it wasn't allowed in film. Even if the film was 18s for adults only, the equivalent of like an R rating or like even a, an MA rating in the US. Right. 
So I think my DVD, my DVD is 18s and it's fucking censored, which is the most ridiculous shit in the world, right? But, so it cuts out that fucking silly headlock thing, right? Then there's a bit where Arnie throws, the bit everyone's seen, he throws the pipe through the man and the steam comes out of the pipe and he goes, blow off some steam, Bennett, which is like <laughs> so comical. Oh, I want to watch Commando. <laughs> but you, you know the way like um, you have violence and then violence, which is immediately undercut by comedy. It doesn't... Yeah you know feel as severe uh that's edited out as well you don't see the the tracking shot of the pipe in him to the steam coming out it just they just it just cuts to like a, a far away shot so anyway lots and lots of shit edited out the film itself is really fun it's very short uh the uk version is only an hour 25 i think the normal one is about an hour 30 um yeah very fun aside from the 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 shame that it's like edited which is like especially with a movie like commando what's the fucking point then has, has so has it not been re-released in like the last couple of years or something? Uh, since two thousand fifteen, yeah, there's a version that came out post two thousand fifteen that is uncut. Okay. Would you not? Would you not treat yourself to the old? Well, all the clips are on YouTube anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, but come on, you want them? I, like, I, yeah, it's it's like playing um the UK version of South Park Fractured But Whole, where yeah. it comes up and says this bit is censored. You're like, well, off to YouTube I go. Then da, 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 da. it was a little yeah. bit. Yeah. What was that? That was like an anal probe scene or something. Yeah, like, like an abortion related thing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, fuck it. Uh, um, but yeah, Commando is good, is good fun. Also, John Matrix is one of like the great Arnie great names. Absolutely. <laughs> um, also features a super young. Uh, what's the actress's name? Uh, Alyssa Milano. Yes, oh yeah, Alyssa Milano. Yeah. She, she's like eleven in it. So it's all <laughs> shocking when she shows up. She's like a little kid. Um, but yeah, enjoy it. Very enjoyable. And then finally, I watched Brick by our, our favorite director, Ryan Johnson, who went on to direct such classics as The Last Jedi, Knives Out, uh, Brothers Grimm, Looper, uh, The Fly episode of Breaking Bad, and legitimately the best Breaking Bad episode, Ozymandias. Ozymandias, yeah. Um, so you'll be shocked to hear that I, Brick is like my favorite Ryan Johnson film. I thought okay. it was fucking brilliant. It you was like fucking exactly up my alley. So I love a fucking mystery movie. I love a, a noir, and I particularly love a modern noir. Um, I was talking just last week or the week before when I did the solo podcast. I was talking about Under the Silver Lake, which I really enjoy, which is a modern noir. So it's 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 a mystery and following the clues, not not like a who done it, but rather like a detective movie, like Maltese Falcon or you know whatever back in the day. Uh, but this one, I don't know if you've heard about Brick before, but Brick is a a noir set in a high school, in and around a high school, uh, starring uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Lucas Haas, um. And uh, the, the, the kind of the gimmick to it, right, is that it's it's a noir set in high school, but everyone talks like they're in a 40s noir film. <laughs> okay. So it's really fast dialogue and, uh, hey, this dame, they're not like doing the voices. It's just purely the script. They're not doing, uh, hey, what the fuck going on? Is she? They're not like doing the transatlantic accents or anything like that. But it's it's super quick, back and forth, like interrogation style. Um, I just loved it. Like I, I can see people not it not quite gelling for some people, um, because it is very niche almost. But I just totally got wrapped up in the mystery of it. Um, 
I, I would say if you enjoyed movies, like I say, if you're one of the three people who liked Under a Silver Lake, like I did, or you liked uh, even Gone Baby Gone or Mystic River or like I hated it. But if you liked Gone Girl, I think I think you'd enjoy Brick, um, even though it's a little bit gimmicky. Like I said, it's not something that, that you can take realistically and immerse yourself in. But um, for what it was, I thought it was just super clever, really an homage to those like noir films from the 40s and 50s, uh, which I love anyway. And the mystery itself is very interesting and very well executed, which led to him to, do, to then do Knives Out later on. But I think it's I think it's actually a better mystery than it, what's in Knives Out. Whether I think it's a better movie, I don't know. I was more impressed by Brick than I was Knives Out. Um the problem is that Brick is not available on any streaming service. Uh, oh. Luckily, I was able to watch it on digital versatile disc, which I have over there. Um, but yeah, I went. It's the first ten I've given in quite a while for Brick. Uh, it was fucking great. Yeah, I've never even heard of it. Yeah, well, well worth a watch if you if you find it in a charity shop, pick it up and yeah, watch that. Shit. It was fucking great. And that uh, that is a bumper edition of Movie Guff there. Um, yes. For this week, uh, we'll jump on to the game golf. Uh, before I get into the various streaming things, I had a compulsion this week to fire up Red Dead Redemption Two for some reason. Okay, um, I think I was listening to a podcaster there talking about the online, and I was just. And to be fair, I've had a nagging thing since I basically put it down and said, "Oh, I was so close. I should just finish it." Everyone says the story is so good, and the story of the parts I played was really good, but I don't think it's a very fun video game to play which it still isn't by the way um but uh, I, i'm picking it back up and i'm just kind of powering through the final act i mean it, it, it and they haven't nothing about it's changed they haven't patched it or put in hey we we fixed it so that uh you don't put your guns back on your horse every time you fucking get off the thing none of that's changed they haven't improved fast travel they haven't done any of that shit but i'm kind of i'm close enough to the end now that i'm just gonna see it through it's 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 still a very good story and a very pretty game that I don't enjoy playing. So, so I'm I'm back on that. For I think I tried to start Red Dead three times, and I got no more than an hour into it. It is the ultimate bad example of when people say to you, "Oh, you got to give it a few hours," because it's true you do, but that's shitty. I don't want to give it. It'd be good. It'd be early would be better. In my, in my yeah. opinion, um, yeah. I I I did the midnight law, not midnight launch. I digitally got it yeah and i I remember i got through i got through that prologue the first night because i had no work the next day and my friend asked me the next day what are you thinking of it and he's like well i played it for three hours and i don't think i've really started yet because they're also still giving me tutorials oh by the way you know that stupid thing they do where they pop a tutorial up at the top left corner of the screen for two seconds and then it goes forever that's still in there so that's good so i don't think i'll ever learn the mechanics of this game uh, but there's about 17 different meters I have to maintain yeah. and donate this meat somewhere. Yeah, and pick, don't picking I, up your hat has a different button than picking up your gun. Yeah, or whatever. All, the like, con- all the all the contextual shit. I mean, so it, it. And but the thing is, I picked it back up and I did a side quest with, with the, like there was a little bit more lighthearted compared to the main story where you're literally t- dealing with circus people of that era. And and I, I did a story mission just before I did this podcast, which is like a rescue, uh, rescuing some people from like these these like freak mountain people in the in a cave. All really good stuff. Like I I can't believe it plays the way it does. I mean I just cannot believe it. 
And like, it's funny because GTA 6 has been in the news because there's constant leaks and rumors. And then a report came out that it's not coming out for three years and people are going fucking crazy. I'm like, I can't think of a game I want to play less than another open world Rockstar game. I've never enjoyed a Rockstar game. I've never enjoyed one. But even as someone who has enjoyed them a lot, like the last two, they've they've gone so far down the realism rabbit hole and they want you to fucking get up and watch a two minute animation where Michael gets his post and it's a <laughs> it's a fucking bill for his credit card. And then you go and you press X on the sun to give out to him about using the credit card. And then you walk to your car to go do a, a bank heist cool shootout mission. And it takes 30 seconds to get in the car. Oh, the engine wants to... I'm like, what? what? Why are these games these ways? It's not just Red Dead. It's GTA as well. It's like, why? when did realism become the thing Grand Theft Auto was in? Anyway, I did all that ranting back in 2018. I am sincerely still enjoying the plot. I mean, it is quite compelling, which is the reason I fired it back up. And, and, I, and I did a couple of missions. I was like, oh, well, this is good. This is why I felt bad putting it down in 2018 and not finishing it. Uh, but I just I had my fill of, of the gameplay, but I'm I'm kind of happy I went back to it. Anyway, got that done. Uh, started Bloodborne on the stream um, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, my first, I, I think I briefly touched it when it came out, and I, I just didn't get it. Um, but this is my first proper go at a Souls ish game, Soulsborne game, and I, I'd say I'm really liking it. I I. What, it's like it's like once you apply yourself it is literally a sit down and pay attention and learn the systems game it's not a it's not a it's the it's the opposite of pick up and play which is a thing right. people constantly mention as a positive but i i kind of think of it as as it's a positive in bloodborne's own unique way that it's a no you're going to sit down and give your attention or as i did in 2015 or you'll just bounce off it which i did but um it's incredibly satisfying and i think the and playing more of it now than i did back then I'm also getting to experience more of the incredible sound design, the the world design. It's incredibly cool. I mean, just in terms of the gothic setting and all that. Um, so yeah, really loving that. Uh, I'm back with it live on Wednesday at 8 p.m. and I feel like it will just be two hours of a boss fight because I got to a boss. It's incredibly fucking hard. Right. I did beat a I did beat a boss one try on Wednesday, which I was insanely proud of. Look at you. Uh, but, but then I, but then I got to this one very shortly after that one, and he just he kicked my ass for about a half hour on the stream. Uh, so back at it again this Wednesday, and then uh, yeah, and then Thursday of course is Super Mario Sunshine. Uh, I am up to the part where you get to the water park, and you yeah, fight which which, which I've watched obviously. Yeah, so Paul Paul's been keeping up, and I believe yeah. he has some 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 feedback for me on my my Mario oh, yeah. Sunshine. We're, we're gonna we're gonna have a, a sit down and a talk. Okay, a come to about Jesus Mario Sunshine. A little bit of a come to Jesus mean. Okay. Um, what I would recommend though is if if people have time, Joe, have you watched the Sunshine streams? By the way, uh, not yet. No. Okay, I'd recommend you do. They're f- okay. Barry's streams are very fun. Yeah, um, no, no. Not only the Mario Sunshine one, the Bowser's Fury, which I I know you did watch, um, but as someone, I, I, me, Joe and I are basically Barry's Mario Sunshine uh, fairy godmothers here. <laughs> we've we've both hundred hundred percent of the game, mm-hmm. um, so we're coming from a place of love. But there's certain truths that must be spoken, right? <laughs> <laughs> so. I'll get to my main point in a second. What I'll say first of all is um, that streams are very, very fun. People should go check out Barry's uh, Twitch or his YouTube, where he uploads anyway the um, the VODs of the streams. Those Mario Sunshine streams are very fun, uh, in part due to the fact that Mario Sunshine is a um, complex game mm. 
and a game that's that's easy to uh, to hate and hard, kind of difficult to love. Um, however, what I'll say to Barry about it, I haven't made any notes or anything. This, these are just my ob- observations. Right? I think Barry is number one, much better at the game than I would have thought you would have been. Uh, in certain uh, certain parts, like you, you, you obviously will spend a lot of time, uh, especially on the first level, trying to bounce on the the wires, yeah, and yeah. miss and missing and falling down constantly. But what? Um, but then you'll you'll do the like jetpackless level, and one of them you got like just first time, first try, yeah, yeah. It, like that that was the same with Bowser's Fury is that you'll often struggle to do the easy tasks and then find the difficult tasks you'll do first time. It's feast which, or famine, yeah. Which is very impressive. What I would say though is that you, while your technical ability is very good, your reading of the world could be better in a sense. Mm. Like Mario Sunshine, um, is is programmed in a very specific Mario language, right? And what I mean by that is the way the game teaches you how to play, or the way the game kind of informs you on on things to do. I feel like you miss quite a bit. <laughs> right. So um, early on, when you, st- when you start the game, right, one of the first things you do is you have the, the big blob of paint and then the piranha plant comes out the middle yeah. and goes back and forth. And you, ha- you have to wait for it to open the mouth, right? Mm. And you, you pour the water, you uh, spill your water into the mouth and you hit it three times and it dies, right? Um. You do do like you do that like two or three times very early in the game. That same boss, same thing. Yeah, yeah. You wait for it to come up. It goes, opens the mouth, spray out the water. Then you had the PD Piranha boss on the level, yeah. right? Which you defeat in the same way, right? Yeah. The game has now taught you. Yeah. Wait for it to open the mouth. Spray in the I know mouth. Where this is going. Barry's going. What the fuck do I do? What am I supposed to do? How do I beat this boss? <laughs> well, it, wasn't, it wasn't opening its mouth. Was my thing. Was uh, like, okay. It did. Okay. <laughs> I was like, okay, you're throwing your tornadoes. You're head button me. That's fine. I'm gonna back up, and then I'm looking at it. No, no, no. I, this is the first time. Not, not the one where he's flying around the level. When you go to the oh, top right. of the windmill and you fall in. Yeah. You beat it essentially the exact same way. Yeah. And you, you, you were struggling a little bit. I, I agree. The second time he's a bit tougher because he's flying around. You have to knock him out of the sky and. So mm. that's fine. Um, wow, what was my other point? I, I had a second point on this that I've, that's completely gone out of my head now. Unreal um, world. Yeah, what the fuck was the other one? Oh, is when um, the the level starts and it gives you the name of the shine you're doing, and the camera will give you a quick look of like where to go. Yes, what to do. Yeah, yeah. You you're often looking away at the time that that comes up. And then, right. start play- yeah, then you start playing the level, and you don't know what you're supposed to do. <laughs> There's one where the the first one in the in the um, theme park level, where you fight the Mecha Bowser, you yes. see you see the little blue Mario, obviously revealed to be yes, and I missed it completely. And you didn't know what you were doing. You didn't know what to do. <laughs> I, I went off and started collecting coins and shit like that. Yeah. When it's it's supposed to be a high speed fucking chase through yeah. the. You're supposed to J and I, and I, I eventually like fell into the area that triggered the cutscene. Yeah, <laughs> which is, is just like I, th- I think that's less of a problem with you know, obviously you're you're reading your stream and so on all this mm. stuff. That's fine. But like, if ever there's a time to look for a game that's as uh, I'm going to use a good word here as abstruse as Mario Sunshine, 
Like yeah. that's the time to be looking. <laughs> it's better to stream when you're actually playing the game because when it's, it's right. less important that you don't miss stuff. Um, now here's the important thing. I, I I don't know if I even want to say this because I, I I'm afraid I'm gonna like almost break your innocence, and I don't really don't want to affect the way you play because the, I think the streams as they exist are are in in a sense perfect. But there's a very fundamentally important thing that right. I think you need to know about Mary Sunshine the way it's structured, right? Right. And this is with Mario 64, Mario Odyssey, Bowser's Fury, right? You as the player have total agency over which stars you collect to get to the minimum number of stars that you need to yeah. beat the game, right? So in Mario 64, I think it's like 70 stars. That's 70 or something like right? that. Yeah, yeah. You can play level one and get three stars from there, open the door to level two, get a few from there, and you can basically do whichever ones you want, right? That is not the case with Mario Sunshine. You have to do very specific stars. Yes. Or shines. Specifically, you have to beat the first seven stars on every level in the game. Right. And no other stars matter. (laughs) Right? right, you need you to beat the game, which is your objective. You've said in stream many times you're gonna beat the game. Right? Yes, you need fifty shines to beat the game. That is your your benchmark, right? But it's not any fifty shines. It is specific. It is the seven first shines on right. each of the seven levels plus one, which is the first one you get in the game when you beat right. the thing. Right. So any coins you collect, the the blue coins, right? or any shines you get in the overworld are essentially not counting towards you getting to the end of the game. (laughs) You're basically wasting your time. (laughs) Okay. What? Yes. So my advice would be don't care about that shit. Um, Because what you're doing is you're raising your shine number, right? Yeah. But you still need to beat those 49 shines in those seven levels, seven shines across each level. That's fucking mental. Yes. Um, so I would say, unless you care about uh, completionism or getting to a certain number in the game, to not spend as much time on stuff outside of the seven core levels. Uh, it's right. there, and you might do it as a diversion or uh, just to do something different. But uh, yeah, you will quickly learn that... Uh, like one thing I noticed you doing as well is you spent a little bit of time. I think it started your second stream, just running around looking for like a level to open up. Like, yeah. how do I get the next level? You can only unlock the next level by beating specific shines on the previous ones. Right. Okay. Um, which is yeah. I, I don't like Mario sixty four, Mario Sunshine, or not Sunshine, but Mario Ga- Galaxy, I believe. Um, Odyssey, S- certainly Odyssey, Odyssey Bowser's yeah, Fury. Yeah. You have like freedom of choice. You ha- you have to get fifty stars, whichever which fifty you want to get is up to you. Uh, Sunshine for whatever reason is not built that way. To unlock um, Corona Mountain, which you saw get mentioned in, in, yeah. in the stream, right? To unlock that level specifically, you have to beat the seven stars on the other, all the other um, levels. All the other ones, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that is legitimately I had never even considered that because I was yeah I was literally thinking it was just a case of I was running around and I was trying to, and then I realized, I realized I did a couple of like open world tasks where I was getting blue coins. Like, well, no, I don't want those because I just want stars. Cause I assumed once I hit a number, yes. then, then, you know, the cutscene where you see the, the submarine go off to the, 
but then, but I, I suppose that only triggered because I beat Acer. I think I, after I beat the PD Piranha thing the second time, then it was like, oh, by the way, you can go over here now. I did, yeah. yeah, that's actually okay, yeah. Because I, I was aware that it does have, relative to other games, it does have a fairly limited amount of spaces. And so I'm kind of like, you're kind of expected to like maximize your completion of each area more so than two here, three there, four there, you know, yeah. okay. I will keep that in mind for next time, yeah, because I, I am, I am, yeah, I'm absolutely just trying to do progress, 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 and then finish. Yeah. I'm not trying to do any kind of ridiculous completion. Yeah. So you've already spent an extra maybe hour. Than uh, the bones of an hour. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Um, yeah, it's it's like while Joe and myself were playing, we obviously were completing 100 percent the game, so we didn't really care about that. But I can definitely see from the point of view of just want to do the bare minimum. There is going to be certain shines in those levels that are just such a fucking pain in the ass but you're gonna have to do them yeah, <laughs> you're gonna have okay. to do them you have no choice if you want to beat the game excellent uh so yeah mario sunshine that's why we all love it am i right but i'll tell you what i mean listen <laughs> i am i i am enjoying it as a video game more than i was kind of expecting especially sure. after look, i came on this podcast multiple times and i i stressed how disappointed I was with Mario 64. And I'm not beating Mario 64 up too much because it is literally a fucking progenerator of the 3D genre. So I will forgive it for maybe being a bit old. But I was like, they didn't do any work to any of these games to modernize them in some basic uh, quality of life ways. That's also true of Sunshine, but Sunshine feels a little bit more natural and modern in the hand than uh, 64. And also, like I remember hating it as a kid. Which is why I never played it for that long, but I think the the fucking flood thing is satisfying enough to use, and 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 it, it they in typical Mario way they use it in some kind of interesting way to kind of rotate some obstacles and yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and trigger the. I think that's good. Now the only thing is that not unlike Red Dead Two, uh, there is like a seemingly completely arbitrary meter that you don't see. That when you're flying, no matter how much water you have, you have a hard limit of like six seconds or some shit like that. That is not indicated anywhere on the screen. Correct. It's just like, ah, this is it. You're falling here. I'm like, but I have a full tank of water. Why? And that's fine if you want to have limited sprints in the air. But that has to be documented somewhere so that I know, yes, you're about to run out. No, you're not about to run out. But other than, other than stuff like that, I think it, it, it feels pretty good. And the music is good. And... The music might be better than 64, you know, uh, if we're going to be spicy about it. But uh... yeah, I mean, one thing I would say is because I do want to see it. And like I say, I don't want to affect your stream too much. I, wa- I want you to do the the funnest for us, the viewers, yeah. the funnest shines, which are for you going to be the most frustrating. Um, now, one of them you're going to have to do uh, as a matter of it being mandatory, which is on the beach level where the, where this sandcastle thing and you go yeah. through one of the ones on that is fucking painful um Lovely. the watermelon one joe knows what i'm talking about um, oh i think i've seen this i think i have oh, seen it yeah it is You're like throwing them down a hill or something or rolling yeah, them down a hill push yeah. push them down a hill that one is yeah. hell on earth um uh but i want you to one that you were very close to doing the last day is the one that's underneath the bridge that you need to get on the boat to uh jump up oh yeah yeah do that one anyway. That that one would be a bit of crack for the stream. But uh <laughs> I almost didn't even want to tell you about this this structural thing about Mario Sunshine because I just wanted you to fucking play it for 
70 weeks and not understand why you're going to unlock the last yeah, level. <laughs> yeah. If there's one if there's one thing I do need guidance on, I think I, I think I think my game reading, my game world reading skills in general probably aren't very sure. good. I I don't think I would have picked up on 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 that. And and one of the key bits of help I'm getting on the Bloodborne streams, and this is kind of one of my issues why I don't play a lot of Souls games anyway, is that those games are very obtuse and they have no maps and they have no indicators and they have no nothing. Right. And it's like, it's this labyrinthine world and this one hallway is progress. This other hallway is a dead end. The third one's a dead end and you will instantly die if you go down there. And I'm like, I've, uh, and so I'm kind of, so on the Wednesdays, I am getting a lot of, okay, look, you, you just want to go here. And I'm like, that's, yeah. that's, thank you. I'll happily fight a boss for the rest of my life. But if you, just so long as you tell me where to go. And I think I kind of feel the same way about Sunshine. I don't want to play Sunshine until Christmas and then go, <laughs> what the fuck? Why haven't I fought fucking Bowser? What is I've got 100 shines. Shri- yeah, why why I, is this uh, not working? I, that would drive me demented, and I, I don't. As, as much fun as it is to, to get wound up, I don't want it to drive me so demented that I'm like, I just don't want to play this anymore. Because I don't exactly, wanna, I, I, I I don't want to. Because that's why I'm picking these games very carefully. Because I'm, I'm expecting them to be challenging and therefore fun, but I don't want it to be one of those things. I, I would probably never do a puzzle centric game or a a kind of obtuse role playing game on stream sure. because if like if it's something where I have to logic my way through it. I would probably just get frustrated and give up. So okay. I don't want to do that. And there's something that Sunshine doesn't tell you, is that you yeah. need to do this. You just have to look it up and figure it out. And know it, yeah. yeah. Okay, so. that'll be interesting. Yeah, so I'll keep that in mind for uh, uh, for Thursday. But, you know, I'll, I'll definitely still be going out and about things my, my own yeah. usual way. Well, that's the, the problem is, like, from, from a completionist point of view, as Joe and myself said back in the day, so much of the game is collecting coins and collecting blue coins. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> you don't need to do it <laughs> if you only want to beat the game. Um, whereas if you want to like complete complete the game, you have to collect like is it two hundred and ten blue coins or something fucking insane like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also one thing to note as well is when you go in in or out of a level, like you know when you've gone down through the pipes and walk around and collecting coins and stuff, uh, that's all reset when you go in and out of a level. Um, so you don't stack up those coins. Um, you don't keep those coins once you go into the level. Mm. Anyway, that's a fun game that I will never play again in my life, <laughs> having completed no. it. Um, oh, I can't wait for that watermelon. Cannot wait for that watermelon level. Your fucking eyes oh, are going to fall out. Um, <laughs> that level could legitimately be an entire stream. <laughs> or, oh, maybe, or maybe two. Or it'll be one that you do first time, because that's how you do these things. Well, yeah, that's yeah, that's the. But I'll tell you, thing. I didn't do it first time, and I didn't do it fiftieth <laughs> time. Um. Anyway, that's your po- your Pokemon, your Mario Sunshine. Mario update. Um, they're still selling the uh, the the yeah, three pack on like, Amazon because I I yeah, still I never bought it. You see, I still don't have it. Um. But I do I do like how Sunshine looks in. Uh, Kind of the up-res graphics and and widescreen. Um, yeah, and um, I I will definitely play Galaxy once I'm done with Sunshine. I don't know if I'll do it on air, but I'll definitely play it. Yeah. Um, Lovely game. So, uh, so I finally put the kibosh on Pokemon Snap. Uh, rolled okay. credits on that. Didn't hundred percent it. There's still maybe thirty or so out of the like two hundred challenges in the game that I didn't do. I've done like one hundred and. I think it's something like 150 out of 180. 
So I've done most of them, but I, I, I left a few for like if I ever get the itch, I can go back and have some content yeah, to like something do. to do. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I clocked in forty six hours on that mother. Um, which is far more than I thought I put into Pokemon Snap. Um, and is in fact way more than I put into Final Fantasy VII Remake. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed Pokemon Snap, but at the same time, I'm happy it's over. I'm happy to be playing other stuff because I definitely hit a wall towards the end where I'm like, oh, I can't be playing this fucking Pokemon photo <laughs> sim anymore. Um, so I'm back on Paper Mario Color Splash on the Wii U. Um, about a third of the way through that. Um, once I beat that, I'm going to play the, the Switch version, Origami King. Uh, which I still have never touched, but I'll have beat I'll have beaten every Paper Mario game that came out prior to that. So I'll be yeah. I'll be up to date on the franchise, and then I can start the new one finally. I feel like the new one's going to be pretty similar to the Wii U one. That's the direction they've kind of gone in. From, from um, speaking to people who played both, that was yeah, it's very much a modern Paper Mario. Also, I know people who like that series who love that most recent one. So I think you cool. like it. Well, knock on I, still, I still haven't finished it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, the one I'm playing now uh, on howlongtobeat.com gives it like a 31 and a half hour estimate, which is like for the kind of game Paper Mario is uh, now, that's a bit long. If I was playing like Paper Mario 64 or, or the GameCube one, Thousand Year Door, that's about the, the wheelhouse I expect it to be lengthwise because those games are much more deep than it is now. Uh, they're like, they're a bit more classic RPG. The, the, the modern ones are a bit more action games with a little sprinkle of RPG elements on them. Um, and then I finally gave a go to Thief Simulator, which is one of those Switch games that was like two euro one day. And so <laughs> like, oh, um, because uh, from the screenshots of and so on, it gave me kind of a Hitman vibe. Uh, I didn't have any expectations it was going to be as good as Hitman, but I figured oh, since I beat Hitman, maybe to have something similar, albeit a little bit worse, uh, wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, what I would say about it is I think it would be a very good VR game. And in fact, there is a VR version on PS4. But as far as being an, a regular controlled game, uh, I find it a little, it's a little too basic. It's a little um, too simple. And also there's elements of it that I guess are supposed to kind of wow you in VR, but playing them normally, they're a bit yeah. simple. So like, in a sense, it is a little bit like a first person Hitman game. You have your crowbar, you walk around the house. There's people looking out windows. You have to sneak past them. And break. There's like weak areas in the house. You can break in a window or break through a fence or whatever. And then you go in and, and steal the, the money out of the safe or steal the, the, the toaster or whatever, right? <laughs> uh, and then you... The weird thing is then when you escape, there's like your car, right? And you have to get into the car and drive it in first person through the neighborhood. Oh, what? Um, and then you have like your home base with your like computer which has your like buy your perks or sell your stolen stuff for money that you can use to buy your perks and all this right but like the problem is when you go into the house first of all the houses are like empty they're like the simplest it's like if you and me barry made a game and we had to design a house in the engine with our limited knowledge we would probably be able to do like the four wooden walls put a roof on it maybe a table and the table has a toaster on it like the houses right. have nothing in them um and the stuff that is in them it's like a toaster all the time or a little safe just on the floor it's not the safe isn't in like a wardrobe full of clothes that you have to fit no it's just there on the floor because there's nothing in the house um and then there's stuff in the house you can't steal because so i i went to this one house i played the game for like an hour and that's enough like this it's not a good game right. um and you steal the toaster 
Uh, you take the TV. Good thing is the TV, right? You can't um, just put it in your bag. You have to carry it. Okay. So, like, you have your crowbar, right? Crowbar goes away. You have suddenly the TV in both your hands. Your hands are over-encumbered with TV, right? Right. Uh, but then you go to the door, right? You can't open the door. You have to put the TV down to open the door. Then you pick the TV up again to go through the door. It's realistic. And there's another the make this? Nah, come on. I've opened the door with a TV in my hand before. You can do the one arm over the TV, reach out, and then <laughs> grab it again. Um, but yeah, the house, they're too empty. Uh, the controls are a little bit janky. It's it's one of those things where the, the cursor has to be exactly on the object for you to interact oh, with it. Yeah. And so you spend a lot of time going, I'm looking at the thing. Fucking work. Um, the neighborhood as well looks like shit. It's too way too basic. Um, and and the actual challenges themselves are a little too uninteresting. Like I went to one house. The first one you do is at night, so it makes sense. Second one I did was just in the middle of the day, and there was no one in the house and no one in the neighborhood. I was like, well, what's the point of this game? What's the challenge of it? I assume it gets harder as you go on, but like I just found it too too rudimentary. Um, not enough going on to to really make it compelling in any way and visually uninteresting as well so i would pass on it probably worth two euro but no more than that well that's that's the thing about your old uh, filter by uh, on sale in the switch store um yeah. it's basically nothing it's a lot of shit that used to be on phones or you know uh yeah uh, that's the uh, that's the video games for this week, and I suppose we should talk about a fairly newsworthy week of wrestling. Not yeah. news in the news sense per se, but hey, we had the return of fans this week. Would you believe I watched in its entirety an episode of Friday Night SmackDown? What? Imagine. And You're you know brainwashed. what? It was like mostly all right. Uh. In a, in a way that didn't necessarily compel me to watch next week, but I'd be like, yeah, it's okay. I'll, maybe I'll watch. And then they immediately announced a rematch uh, uh, from the show I watched uh, for next week. Uh, Bianca Belair had a decent, you know, a good little match with Carmella, beat her clean, clean as a sheet in the middle of the ring. Crowd went crazy. And then WWE immediately announced Carmella was getting another title match next week on SmackDown against Bianca Belair. I was like, why? Why would she possibly get that? Um, so, you know, not perfect, but the show was okay. It was okay. You know, Roman Reigns came out and and he faced, he and the Usos faced um, Edge and the Mysterios in a tag match. Edge has a title match tonight, by the way, which I only found out when I was watching SmackDown. Um, What's the match? Uh, Money in the Bank. Oh. Ugh. Uh, they had a, uh, a, t- a tag team match with Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox versus Tamina and Natalia. And let me tell you, they had Liv Morgan and Zelina Vega on commentary for this match. Oh my God. It was some of the worst television I've seen in ages. As two wrestlers that I like perfectly fine. Oh my god, they did serious damage in, in my eyes. They were so unfucking believably annoying. Uh, and then the main event, for some reason, was the four. Well, I suppose it makes sense. The four lads from SmackDown who were in the Money in the Bank men's match, they had a no DQ four way match where they did lots of moves. Um, Nakamura, Rollins, Owens, and Biggie. And it was all right. Seth Rollins won. So we'll see. It was okay. 
uh, the crowd was good. They had a new set. It was fine. Uh, it was okay. I can't. I can't get too enthused about it because it was still WWE. But um, commentary was still incredibly. Pat McAfee's really annoying. He's really annoying. Uh, well, Barry, Jones. you're supposed to not like the heels. Do you not oh, know how wrestling works, mate? Feck off! Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure. You I'm love sure. the baby faces. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I am <a> brony. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so that was that was SmackDown. It was okay. Uh, did you watch Dynamite this week? I watched Dynamite both weeks because I fucking love Dynamite. Yeah, uh, and this week in particular, it was a banger. It was. Uh, well, let's just, just mention quickly the previous week. I don't remember. If I, I, I guess I didn't talk about it on the podcast because we didn't do one last week. But um, Young Bucks, Penta, and Eddie Kingston. Fucking thumbs up on that one. Yes, that was great. Um, yeah. Malachi Black's debut was every bit as good as Andrade El Idlo's was bad. Yes. Um, so big thumbs up on that. The Omega Hangman direction, I'm a big fan of that. Um, I, I love that Jim Ross still can't pronounce Andrade El Idlo. Um, I also love that he's, his new catchphrase is Tommy and or whatever he's calling himself. Uh, Excalibur? Uh. Uh, what else? Um, still, anything to do with the pinnacle in Inner Circle, I don't care about. Mm. Um, although, I, I do like that they, they're still the Inner Circle, but they seem to be a little bit, they're kind of separating them apart a little bit. I like the Conan with yes. the uh, Santana and Ortiz. Oh, that's good. That stuff's all great. Um, and I, I'm not against, you know, keeping them as the Inner Circle, but they like, like with... Um, you know, New Japan, as they have like Chaos and Bullet Club, that it's not Chaos don't always come out as a team. You know, yeah. you, you have an alignment. You can mm-hmm. have Santana Ortiz and their inner circle, and every once in a while they can come, like make the run in for their friend, you know, and their their group. You remember they're the group, but the, you know, you can have them be Santana and Ortiz for a while, which is their yeah. strength anyway. Have them aligned with Conan. Um, and feuding with FTR with Tully Blanchard, like that's the best option for them. Um, yeah, like the, the Jericho MJF stuff, dreadful. Yeah. Um, and then on this week's, like, that's just a summary of the of the um, yeah, Rager Road Rager, whatever it's called. Um, and then this week, uh, Moxley, who did not have a fully shaved head, by the way, as we'd been led to believe. Um, uh, topped up, topped up, you know. Really, yeah. I mean, come on, he, he can he can pretty much go the full hog at this stage, right? Um, defeated, he's he's going to end up looking like here's a football reference that only Joe will get. He's going to end up uh, like Attilo Lombardi if he uh, keeps going the way he's going. <laughs> <laughs> That's a name you've not heard in 25 years. Um, but uh, Moxie Carlson Car- definitely the best Carlson match I've seen in quite a while. Very, yeah. very new Japani. Yeah, had the had the had the working shoes on for sure. It wasn't amazing, but it was it was a, it was a solid opener, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and it was a perfect way to start, you know, a show like that. It was a bigger crowd than than previous week, so they went out there and they had Moxley come out with the song, and it was fucking great. Yeah, fucking banging. Um, yeah, and they're, they're doing uh, Moxley against Lance Archer in a rematch from their January fourth. Oh, yes. Texas Deathmatch. They're going to do another one. 
Yeah, in um, Lance Archer's hometown. Yes, uh, which is so Chaos. smart. Uh, one of those little things like it's going to go such a long way because it's going to be so heated. Um, in the, in the same way the Ricky Starks match was this week, you know, um, is is Archer the first like non completely non New Japan aligned person to to fight for the title? Yes, because Moxley's been doing matches with a lot of people lately, but it's been like Nagata Anderson. Oh wait, no, a- Anderson Anderson is is not in New Japan, but he's either. he's he's doing New Japan strong with Gallows these days, yeah. Oh god, they're, how are they getting so much work? Oh my god. Well, Rocky Romero is their mate, and he's Gallows. He's, he's working Gallows, in the office these days. He re- Gallows Gallows has possibly outdone Nash in the <laughs> in the uh, sauntering running stakes. I mean that guy. That guy does a run in in three different promotions a week, and he never breaks a sweat. It's really unbelievable. He just needs to get the, kind of the slow drawl down now. Yeah, he yeah, just. Did you see? By the way, complete, completely off topic. Did you see the great, great Twitter account, great follow recommendation for all you guys out there? WCW Deep Cuts. No. Uh, which is basically, um, uh, it's an account that pulls like unaired bits and bobs shit from saturday night and you know all, all random little things like that and one of the things they've been posting a lot of lately is wcw apparently had this short-lived i don't know if it was internet or like a deep turner digital channel when when nitro or thunder would go to break they had a this show goes on the air and they do in the break segments i think it was on the website Right, and they're obviously because it was WCW and it wasn't on TV. Nobody was giving a fuck. It was all very amateurish. The rest of us didn't care. They posted a fucking incredible Kevin Nash interview from that thing. I have to find it. Um, I'll find it here while we're reviewing the show and send it. Is, to is this going to be the new Hulk Hogan ten of a toes brother T- TNA? I, thing. Not quite that level, but it's just so <laughs> Nash, just like half cut, looking at the camera, just like going absolutely fucking mental. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll send that to you while we review the rest of the show. Just yeah. Nash, the subject came up. And just but, while um, while we're on this little tangent, I've I found a YouTube channel that has like full episodes of like Heat from like ninety eight, ninety nine, and I was I didn't never I never realized how much that was like just SmackDown before SmackDown was a thing. Um, because when I yeah. was young, young uh, Polly G back in the day, watching Livewire on Sky One of a Saturday morning, uh, I didn't realize that there was more content aside from that that I've never seen. So I've been watching these full episodes of Heat from, like I say, ninety eight, ninety nine, and there's like v- full little storylines like Vince and Austin, Austin Undertaker, Rock that I've never seen before. It's it's just like Suddenly, they they uh, release like extra content from the Attitude Era. So, if people nowadays, like me, like I was completely unaware of this until just the other week, um, there's like loads of new stuff that you can watch yeah. from like the heyday when you're a big fan of. So, I was watching, um, especially like heats that they used to do, like the night of the pay per views. You'd have like little storylines just for the heat that built to the the pay-per-view with like Shawn Michaels as the commissioner fucking coming out who's like by the way one of the best characters in um the attitude there hey Avon man doing his little dance um just fucking great stuff I recommend uh if you just search YouTube like heatful it's probably the network probably but fuck network go on YouTube (laughs) heatful episodes 
Oh, they're so fun. They're like they're like an hour long. They've got three minute matches that always end in disqualification by a running, right? Yeah. Every time. I um, I I did it's good that it is on that YouTube. I don't think it is on the network. I I, I think right. I think it's one of the it's one of the big absences because like they have most main WWF stuff yeah. up there, but for whatever reason they don't have that. So I'm glad it's up somewhere. Yeah, and it, but it's not all like um, you know, Godfather versus Midian. It might have one of those at the beginning, but then the main event would be like The Rock against The Undertaker. Like it's it's yeah. it's really smack what SmackDown eventually became as a two hour show. They used to use heat for that. And I, I always thought heat of being closer to like a uh, a main event or a velocity with like, you know, the the, the dark matches before Raw. But yeah. actually they had a lot of good shit on it. it was yeah, really no, they really did. It's it, and it's it's it is a very little treasure trove, I'd say. A hundred percent it is. Um I'm back oh, on and the also, I, I, I watched that segment where Jeff Jarrett hit fucking Moolah with the guitar again. I was pissing myself laughing. <laughs> Great. Um, uh, back on uh, Dino Mai, we had yes. another uh, Tommy End segment with Cody. Yeah, same basic thing. Uh, you know, the the lights went out. Uh, Tommy End came out, kicked him, and no, we didn't kick him. This had a brawl. Wait, did they? Did they and they're they're pulled apart. No, they had a brawl. Oh yeah, I'm getting my weeks mixed up. I, yeah, he did. Yeah. Um. Yeah, fair enough. You know. Um. So long as so long as they don't they don't. I don't. I the video they played for Tommy End before he came down was, it was one of those things. It was one of those Bray Wyatt things. I just roll my my eyes at the smoke saying, machine and yeah, yeah. But it's, it's not very even the, the, the presentation. Like I didn't hate the presentation. It was just the verbiage. The lamb to the slaughter. Blah, 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 blah. Oh. I don't. I don't need poetry. I really don't. And it's one of those things where I don't hate it necessarily, but because other companies are doing so much of it. I really, I really just want AEW to be the place where lads just show up and fight. I, that's really all I want. I don't need it to be anything else. I don't mind to have one character, does it? Yeah. As you say, WWE have a lot of overly verbose promos. Um, yeah, I think I think he'd be more effective anyway, like you say, as as, as a kind of more silent character. Mm. Um, but I, I don't hate what they're doing with him so far. I, I had more of a problem with the presentation. The fucking wacky lights and the smoke machine and like that yeah. shit. It could have been taped at SmackDown, that thing, yeah. 100%. 100%. Uh, you alluded then to Ricky Starks and Brian Cage. Yeah, it was good fun. Um, so I guess I, I guess Cage is out of Team Taz now, I guess. Yeah. Or or they might they or I can I can see it, I can in my head hear a Taz promo where he tries to swing it as oh you know we have to put a little beating on you you know get your head back in the game but you know come <laughs> back into fold and then Brian Cage yeah. be like fuck off you took my you took my fake belt off me I think Cage is the good one to turn face anyway yeah yes I like I like that group dynamic with Starks Hobbs Hook Taz um yeah. Um, yeah, Cage. Cage is just a weird one. He's obviously super talented, but the only place I've really bought into him as a top guy was was Lucha Underground, which is like a whole different other thing. Um, I kind of like him as the position he's in right now, which is you know, mid strictly mid card, but you know, solid mid card. You know, he's not on dark. He's you know, he's on dynamite. He has matches regularly. They're good matches. Um, yeah, um, Ricky Starks. Great to have him back in the ring. Um, yeah. There was a really fun, really solid. Let's get the fucking train back on the tracks promo from Brick Baker. Um, yes. Uh, 
I'm still uncertain about Brit though. Like they have her, they're she coming out the heel entrance way. Yeah, and Nyla Rose, she feels with Nyla Rose, who is like acts like a heel regularly, and has Vicky Guerrero as her second. I don't know why they haven't just gone with Brit being the babyface because everyone loves her anyway. Yeah. Is she like the anti-hero, I guess? Is that the idea? I think that's like, that's the thing. They want it, they don't want to make her like lame by making her a hero. But they don't I have guess. to. She can be the same character. She can just come out the other entrance way and, and fight heels. Like Yeah. Like it's not you no, know, obviously the Jericho face turn was massively botched when they, when he, he stopped acting the way he was acting and turned into an obnoxious idiot. Brit Baker, they can literally have her just act exactly the same way. Uh, but like fight heels and and have her come out the babyface entrance way and people will cheer her, as they yeah. do anyway. Like no one is going to be behind Nyla Jack, Nyla Jacks. Fuck me, Nyla Rose in that match. No one's going to care. Yeah, not they won't care, but they'll be behind Baker. Obviously, they will. of course, yeah. Especially yeah, when they're I mean, building to Britt Baker's homecoming in fucking Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, yeah. That was one thing that was interesting. Actually, was yeah. So Nyla did a retort with Vicky there, and Vicky spoke for a little bit. They had a segment with Andrade earlier in the night, and he did not have Vicky with him. And he had a uh, a new kind of character. Uh, uh, like well, that, that character was there the, first, the the previous week as well. Was with he? The, yeah, dusting his like jacket off. Yeah, he was there. Oh, okay. What, what the fuck? I wasn't paying attention. Um, but yeah, interesting, interesting because they've had they've had, they have had no shame in having Vicky in two and three segments, fucking for weeks now. So interesting that they decided to keep her strictly with Nyla for now. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, we got a Christian Matt Hardy match, which was better than I was expecting. <laughs> Wait, on Dynamite or on the Heat? I was watching. Which you talking about? <laughs> uh, both, actually, funnily enough. Um, I thought it was. I mean, the funny thing is, I'm watching it on fight, and so you've got the pitcher and pitcher, which yeah. is usually really good because it means you get long, uncut matches. Yeah, that was one thing I noticed on when I was watching SmackDown. It's not really their fault, but like the matches just fade to black and fade back up, and it's half over. Um, Downside about that for Dynamite was that I had to watch three minutes of Matt Hardy heat on Christian, and it was <laughs> not great. Uh, and then, then the match came back from American commercial, and they and Christian took over, and then it got good. And then, then they had a match. You know, what um, did you make of the finish? By the way, what a loaded question that is. Wait, wait, what was the finish? Okay, so the finish was Matt Hardy has Christian on the outside, and he puts on his leech. Submission oh finish, right? god yes yes knocks him un- unconscious for all intents and purposes right christian, christian lies there until nine jumps yeah. to his feet hops in the ring hits hardy with his finish and wins <laughs> listen listen christian you are you are an all-time legend you're better you know you know more wrestling talent in your little finger than most people have in their entire body but we need to send this man some some koda abushi tapes or something like that you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do the the nine count better than that. You got, you can't just pop up and run in and do your move. It's not SmackDown versus Raw. Like it was really bad. It was really bad because it was like because they have a camera on him, and I was kind of like when the referee because I knew of course Christian was winning. He's presumably getting a title match at some stage, and Matt Hardy yeah. is literally just there to put people over. Um, so when the referee got to eight and Christian literally hadn't moved an inch, I was like, oh my God, I was like, he's going to just jump up and get back in the ring, isn't he? And win straight away. And that was literally what happened. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. Like conceptually it was fine. But like I said, like, you know, 
Kota Ibushi is the example I always think of because when he does those 19 counts, he's always he's dead on the floor and he starts stumbling about and he literally just flops into the ring at 19. He's always the one. The Tanahashi is another one. Yeah, Christian. Oh, God, that was bad. At least like, it was Matt Hardy. At least he didn't do it to someone credible. Yeah, know? like Matt Hardy, when he got in, did try and do Twist of Fate, but it was so immediate where he was like, he was unconscious after being like choked out, basically. And 14 seconds or like two seconds after getting to just about getting to ring, he's hitting his finish for the win. Um, it was a little bit like Adam Cole taking the tombstone that one time. But anyway, uh, Miro continues to be like one of the best things on the show. What a fucking turnaround that has been from. Yeah, I, I don't remember about you guys, but I definitely gave him my flop of the year last year. Mm-hmm. He won't be getting that to this year. I'll say that. No, no, he's great. Uh, Guevara defeated Wheeler Utah. I'm not familiar with Utah, I must say. Uh, he's been around for ages, 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 ages. But uh, good thought it was interesting they gave him two wins on Dark, which they don't usually do with the Dark, you know, Jabrones. Yeah. Um, and I really appreciate that they showed that as well on TV. Like, look, this guy's wrestling Sammy Guevara. He actually won matches on our on our like prelim shows. So there you go. I thought that was a nice touch, and he's he's solid. He's I you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Yuka Sakazaki was back as well, defeated Penelope Ford surprisingly over. I mean, I guess it makes sense because they pushed her reasonably hard before the pandemic, but that was also a year and a half ago, yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess again, it's one of those things maybe give wrestling fans more credit than you might think. You know, she comes out in Aladdin pants with a very distinctive song. And so people were like, "Oh, I know this girl." You know, they they yeah. gave her they gave her a decent. She got a better reaction than Penelope Ford, who's been there all year. Um, the other thing that was missing from this was the one of you know one of my far my my favorite uh, wrestling tropes, which is sarcastic Jim Ross, magical Mary go round, <laughs> magical girl splash. Give me a break. Uh, Excalibur, <laughs> why don't you uh, fucking explain to us there what the fuck this person Oh, my God. I was, I was watching Heat. Sorry, but I'm going to be talking about Heat for the next few weeks of this podcast. But, but it was one where it was like the debut of um, Too Cool, as they became too cool from too much. And one of my favorite things is Jim Ross going, Grandmaster Sexy. <laughs> Tremendous. And so I, I was hoping that he'd give magical merry-go-round and ma- magical girl splash the same treatment. He didn't, unfortunately. But um, I, I must say, when I was watching, I did go magical girl splash. Give me a break. But she was good, and that was that was fun. And then we had the coffin match, Darby Allen, Nathan Page, which was great. It's tremendous, yeah, yeah. They 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 bring the best out of each other. They did not have the giant WWE casket yeah it's a normal just a little yeah. one on the floor yeah. even lucha underground had the very big one yes yeah this was very much in the ballpark of the lucha underground casket match that was yeah. i wouldn't be like surprised if darby like made the coffin yeah it had his thing written on it um and i'm sure it was his fucking idea to jump through the thing as well oh so. my god yeah. at the end yeah, which I saw that before I saw the match because it was like it was everywhere. You couldn't. If you looked at Twitter before you saw that match, you saw that gift. I didn't realize that was after the match. That was so funny. <laughs> what a fucking idiot! I was like, oh, did they get a second coffin for the finish? Yeah, well, the finish itself was a little bit anticlimactic. I thought, but like, that was the only bit of the match where I felt like, oh, he jumped on with the skateboard. That was the finish. 
Yes, yeah. Especially since Paige did the power bomb before that. Yeah. I suppose they couldn't do the coffin drop through the coffin as the finish. Because the rules, like you put them in the coffin and close it. Um but you know the, the that being the last thing you remember, when people think back to the coffin match, they won't think, Oh, Alan won when he jumped on him with the skateboard. They'll think, Oh, I did the coffin drop through the coffin. Hmm. Great visual. Uh, I fully expect that will be in the Dynamite opening next week, by the way. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I think that will be. And it'll be a, a, a worthy inclusion, I would say. They're very good at uh, keeping the uh, the opening updated. Especially after Double or Nothing, they were straight in there with the footage of the fans again. You know, yeah, uh, you know get, get that empty arena shit out of here, uh, which is the way it should be. Um I'm after seeing the artwork for this episode. Oh my god. Also, the name the, the, the name is quite good as well. <laughs> Alright, I'm going to have to load this. Jesus. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Good. Listeners, if you're listening, you can presumably see the artwork on your listening device. But I'm after seeing it for the first time. Oh my god, that's perfect. <laughs> oh my god. Oh dear. Oh well. On that note, I, I sure. On that bum note. On that bum note. Uh, yeah. Next week's fighter face looks really fucking good. Um, yeah. yeah. You've got Jericho versus Spears. Spears can use the chair. You've got Lance Archer versus Moxley deathmatch. Uh, Nyla versus Britt. Uh, oh, there was one other one. I can't remember what it is. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah. So uh, we'll be back next week talking more Dynamite. Maybe we'll talk about Money in the Bank. I don't know. Don't get your hopes up. Um, and uh, yeah, various other bits and bobs uh, in the meantime. So, thanks very much for uh, listening, folks. If you do want to check out Super Mario Sunshine, I'll be streaming it on Thursday, twitch.tv slash Barryled, Bloodborne on Wednesday. Uh, Chair Shop Pod on Twitter for updates about the show, including where you can see that artwork as soon as it's up. And uh, chairshoppodcast.com if you want to pop us an email. So, with all that said, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, gents, for doing this with me. It's great to be back. Happy to be back at it. Yeah. And I'll be talking to you next week. So it's goodbye from me, Barry. It's goodbye from Paul. Goodbye. That's goodbye from Joe. Goodbye. Goodbye.